broadcast on this Saturday afternoon at UK Games Expo 2022 with my co-host Peter Allison. How you doing everyone? Good to be here. Right Pete. So this is my first convention in four years. Okay that's a long time. That is a long time and I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah. Um, especially in this convention which I love because it's everything that I love about a convention, board games, RPGs, all the pretty things. And this isn't just traders, this is created. Ma people that make it rather than just sell it. Yeah, lots of playtesters. Lots, lots of, of playtesters, yeah. lots of announcements, lots of really cool games, debut for the first time. So what's it been like? Because obviously you were here last year. I was here last year, 2021. Now this was a much quieter event. The lanes were wider, numbers were restricted. It was a lot of COVID restrictions due, of course, to the pandemic. Now, this is literally, it was a different feel. People were keeping apart. I mean, before you, you could like bump, bump the elbows as you used to do. To kind of, now it's people are hugging. We're kind of much more back to normal because things are getting back to normal now. So yeah, it's great. It's just fantastic at things here. No. So what you're being, um, this is going to be, by the way, this isn't going to be a, a full-length podcast because the camera only has a 30-minute play time. Hence why you might see me check, well, whoever's watching this will see me check my phone. If you're listening to it, you won't know any difference. But uh, I'm just checking the time on, on this. Uh, so what we're going to do is um, we're going to mention sort of stuff we've seen, what we've been doing, uh, some of the people who we've interviewed, and then what we're probably going to do is um, release all the different interviews individually, but... For all of those who uh, listen to the podcast and watch it, um, we will also add the uh, some of the interviews into the podcast as well for your for your viewing. You're gonna get yeah. the pre-release. A lot of them. Yeah. Hi Jay. Um, and um, yeah. Okay. So, highlight of the show. Okay, I'm a roleplay guy. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. For me, it's all about roleplay. Something games. that just happened recently today maybe. yeah yeah i got to meet uh, matthias hockey of the um free league publishing and they've got to sign my copy of simber so you got a lot of people signing it so you got yeah. the artist signing artists it. to the artist and the actual creator of simber so that's going back on my shelf hopefully it will still hold all the weight you're gonna have to have a special shelf for it I am, yeah, it's good to have a copy like the display case. <laughs> For anybody who watches us uh, on our streams, you'll notice Pete in the background always has this very sort of kind of bowed uh, sort of shelf full of his RPG books. He's, like, he's an RPG whore. There's just like all over the place. I mean, you can see literally this bow with the nice heavy books. Well, they're just so pretty. I mean, Free League do fantastic rubble games, but also the artwork in them is just really fantastic. One feature because it's just beautiful to look at. Yeah, it's yeah. a pleasure to read, and it's always kind of aesthetically appropriate. Like for what's in the one ring role playing game, it kind of like feels kind of very old compared to the more grimier, grittier Simbaroo. Yeah, the uh, I saw the nice, the, the nice deluxe edition yeah. of it. It looks so beautiful. Exactly, so it's beautiful. that that attention to detail. Thing is, like, I I like RPGs. I've got a lot of them, but because our D and D takes so much out of my life, um, the idea of buying more, especially Lord of the Rings, and I love Lord of the Rings. It just feels like I'm never going to play this. I'm not going to do this and stuff. So it's just like, as much as it's like this is pretty. I kind of want this, but then I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but 
properly gamed in my thing. I mean, I've got all different games there are, like board games, war games, and role-playing games. I think role-playing games is kind of my top three. Your thing. Yeah, that's my thing. That's your thing. That's my thing. War games are my thing. RPGs are your thing. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like kind of like the, the dungeon crawler-based uh, board games, because it's very character-specific. Uh, you kind of, you are playing a character within a game, yeah, a board yeah, yeah. game. So that's the way I approach it. Really. I'm going to see how many people, because every every time you do stuff like this, and we've been doing interviews, and to be honest, until the last interview, nobody seemed to be yeah. walking in front of the camera, but you always get these people who are doing a beeline straight towards you, and then they sort of see the camera, and then there's that decision of like, do I go through the shots, <laughs> yeah. or do I carry on? I'm, I'm kind of, that's the art, just glaring at people. Yeah, yeah. And I go, slight smile, it's like, frown, they're kids, like, it's like escalation. It's mainly kids, and they just yeah. sort of gotta go through. You know, it seems to be worse. Like last time we were at a convention, we had microphones with leads, and yeah. for some reason, it encouraged people more to go over the leads. For some reason, it was just like you through the chip hazards. We're through filming. Yeah. And it's just like you're just being up there. Yeah. Oh, right. But yeah, uh, for me, do you know what? I don't think I've had um, everything's in its own way has been really good. Just because it's my first, it's been my first sort of convention in a while. Um, I've met a load of people who have not seen in ages. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, some good friends. Um, you know, people who we've talked to before. Yeah. It was great talking to the guy from Dice Sport, Rob from Dice Sports. Um, we've done an interview like four, four years ago as well. Yeah, four years ago. Um, it was good talking to um, Steve Box from uh, Vanguard Tactics. Oh, Jared uh, as well. <laughs> There we go, somebody just about to go just through the, the shop. Yeah, just, just <laughs> Jared from Nightfall. Jared from Nightfall, yeah. Yeah, I saw him last year and we had him on the podcast and they've just released the Terminator opening game. So I immediately went home and bought on drive through RPG because I have that amount of willpower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, yeah, it's just been a lot for me, just in general. Um, because it's, you know, I, like MCM and things like that, you know, I like more for the people and stuff. Yeah. Um, and sort of the people watching that you get from, you know, seeing cosplayers and things like that. But this is literally just everything that I love. It's got a bit of cosplay, as you can probably see from yeah. behind us and stuff. But you also have sort of like people developing games, loads of different types of games from RPGs to sort of kind of European style games to like war games and stuff. Uh, that war game, War and Terror, um, that we uh, we talked to the guy who's ex-army. Um, we... Um, you know, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So, also, one thing, you can go to MCM or Showmasters, and you could literally miss a few years and nothing will have really changed. Yeah. The people will be a bit different, but, you know. Definitely he, lots of stands of pop figures on there. Exactly. You know, lots of swords. Lots stands. of traders. Yeah. But yeah. here, there's something new happening. People, you know, the manufacturers, developers, and creators come here and announce, like, this is what we are developing. I think that's what makes it such a fresh and vibrant. Yeah, it's just event. like it's, I, 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 I find that you know I've met a lot of cool people in all conventions I've been to. Yeah. Um, but it's just you know this one. I, it seems because it's not it's busy, but it's not stupid busy and stuff. Yeah. You know it is. You know as busy as conventions get. It's a big convention, but you know. So I got to talk to Martin uh, from uh, Geek and Son. I've not talked to him in fucking like four years. I've got one of their beautiful tables and not sort of like, you know, so it was good talking to him for a while, you know, just meeting Karen. Um, I've not seen him in ages and stuff. Oh, got to meet Peter Modifius. Yeah. That's the, the co-founder of Modifius, Chris Birch. He's a lovely guy talking about Roe versus Evil, that fantastic charity they're doing. Yeah, yeah. They're supporting, actually, 
rather than vaguely supporting Ukraine, they are doing direct aid going straight to the people that need it in Ukraine. And I think that is really good and we really yeah. need support there. That was. That is pretty good. Um, so yeah, it just in general, it, it, it hasn't felt tiresome. As much no. as I was tired yesterday, it didn't feel like I was bored. Because I get to a point when I go to certain conventions where, like you said, everything's the same. Yeah. And I'm like, I just, I'm a bit bored now of what's going on. I've seen it, it's good to see. I've met some people, let's just go back. Whereas this, because there's a lot of different games, there's a lot of different systems, there's a lot of different types of things going on. You can keep you can keep yourself quite busy. Yeah, I mean, like we, we could spend just one day. Well, we did spend one day just in the halls, and that's completely missing everything else that is going on around, like in the Hilton, and you got like the dark rooms, um, spaceship bridge simulator. We saw him running around here. Exactly, we saw, we saw John Robinson wandering around. Yeah, he was on the pod. If you haven't watched his podcast, it's that's the only podcast that we've had that's ended because not because of time limitations, but because he needed to take a shit. That is a first on podcasts. <laughs> we go where no one else has gone before. We're literally, a uh, podcast was generally about an hour and a half, uh, maybe two hours at first. This one was like two and a half hours, and the only reason it stopped is because he needed to take a crop. The guy is a human dynamo. Yeah. He just doesn't stop talking, and he's a fantastic comedian. Um, if you get the chance to um, go to the dark room, do so, you will have a laugh and be absolutely terrified at the same time because you do not want to be picked. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Okay, um, out of all the games that we have seen, so we'll list all the things, and like I said, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll either add some of these at the end of the podcast, so that, to, just so you can have a listen to them, um, and obviously they will individually be released too. But out of all the games, so we've had um, uh, Sniper Elite, we've had... Yeah, I do like that game. Yeah, Sniper Elite, we've had... Um, uh, War and Terror, which is that other uh, yeah, tabletop game. Development uh, we've had um, some some scoops from the guys uh, at Nightfall yeah. about um, Terminator T- 2. two the, yeah, an expansion for the Terminator game. Yeah. And like I said, I've already got it, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have had um, Modiphius. Um, did they have anything new? Uh, Acton, no, not Acton Cthulhu. They have another one which is the Roman version of it. Yes, yeah, Roman version of Acton Cthulhu. Basically, yeah. you are playing legionnaires. Yeah, yeah, Going yeah. out into the wilderness where there's something strange going on that could be tentacles. Yeah. Uh, what else have we seen? Uh, we have seen... Um, Oh God, we see uh, obviously Bevan of Geek Pride yeah. fame and Tinkerbot Games. We saw his Haunt the Culture. Yeah. Um, so it's it's so funny watching people. I'm sorry, you keep on doing this. But you keep on seeing people and they do a beeline because they see a gap yeah. and then they see the camera and then you've got that moment of like, do I go through the gap or not? And it's like there being three people so far. We're like, so if you see me doing this, it's because we're trying to stop people from going through the body, through the camera. One, oh, man. The Berlin Unplugged. That was for with, Sniper Elite. Yeah, but also they announced that oh, they're yeah. doing Judge Red, the board game yes, coming back. Yes, That looks really cool. Uh, yeah, that was. And it, the Ian Livingstone's, they're doing a remake of Ian Livingstone. Remake of the original. Yeah, yeah the original. Well, kind yeah. of with modern mechanics. Yeah. And also they've got the Tartarus gate, role-playing game. Yes. Which again, I picked up because I have no willpower. <laughs> I've only bought, I bought some dice today and some 50 stuff. 50 pound dice? Yeah, well, they're cool dice. They are cool. Will you, when you paid 50 pounds for some dice, will you ever use them? 
maybe, maybe. For our D&D, maybe I'll start rolling actual dice when we do our D&D games on Thursdays. Thursday nights, by the way, streaming. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they were nice dice, and I got some bandanas um, from uh, for my dog and stuff. Will so. your dog let you put the bandanas on him? Yeah, though? he will. He will. They'll not stay on for long. But yeah, <laughs> he'll put them on and stuff. Um, so out of everything we've seen, what's been the uh, what's is it literally just being the um, uh, the free league press thing or sniper elite? You said so. What was it about sniper elite that you thought you okay, liked? Okay, well, like I mentioned, and uh, I like. The Dungeon Caller Star games, where you play that character on a board. And that kind of takes the kind of uh, Dungeon Caller style, but brings in hidden movement where you are playing a sniper, trying to evade the guards. And that sounds very interesting. It's very stealthy based. So what they're doing is quite different to, to yeah, typical. I, I've got the Kickstarter, so I've got, <laughs> I've got them all in the house. Uh, I think I posted a picture on uh, Geek Pride at one point, but uh, I've got them in the house, so I've not played it yet. But what got me was that sort of kind of stealth thing. So you've literally got a sniper who's not going to be on the board very often. He's got a... Um, um, I'm sorry, just another person sort of walking around, realising there's a camera going on. And we are recording. Yeah, we're recording. Um, so you've got um, a, a sniper and the... From what they, they explained, like he's not on the board very often. Yeah. He's got his own little secret board where it's, he basically yeah, you draw where you going, drawn where you're going, and they know. And then it's basically if he makes noise and stuff, that's when they sort of kind of go towards where he is. Yeah, I think the uh, the guy explained it best when he said, "If this thing is on the board, you're playing it wrong." Yeah. yeah which is yeah, that makes sense because yeah, you yeah, are yeah. a sneaky sniper. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's something I definitely want to try out. Um, the uh, War and Terror game. Uh, which isn't out yet. Um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, Shadows of the Earth. Shadows yeah, of the Earth. that looks very oh, Shadows of the Sun, Shadows of the Sun, that was it, yeah. That was sort of like you know, exploration, exploitation. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a more streamlined um, Twilight Twilight, Twilight and Twilight Imperium. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that looks pretty good. And that's coming out March of 2023. Yep. March 2023, so that's an interesting one. But yeah, the... Uh, on, on Kickstarter. On Kickstarter. On, with uh, no, eight, nine months production time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then, uh, so obviously, um, the, sorry, the War and Terror. Um, Terra. Uh, not, so it's basically the War and Terror, but it's War and Terra. Terra. Terra, as in the Earth, Terra. And not uh, to be confused with War and Terror for Games Workshop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically a miniatures game, but it's scalable. So it, it, he's basically ex-Marines, ex he's ex-Army, so he's trying to... And it seems like he's really put a lot of thought into how it's played. Now, there will be the interview uh, later on that you can sort of listen to uh, from that. Um, but um, it sounds like a really good system. And I like the fact that they've thought about a lot of the things that are yeah. quite sort of... One thing I quite liked about it is it's... it's one person goes, then another person goes, but it's by phase. So I move, then you counter move. Yeah. And there's like an initiative step. And it's sometimes you don't want to go first because if you go first... You're showing your hand first. You're showing your hand first yeah. and stuff. 
and it, it, it changes each turn. Oh, nice. And that sounds really good. And I think that's a really good idea. So it's basically, I move, and you go, right, he's moved there, I need to move there. Yeah. So you, as a first person, will need to, if you're going first, you need to sort of trap people. So you go, okay, yeah, we'll move there, but the intention is to do this and this, and it's like... I like the idea where like, you can concentrate your, your, your squad's uh, fire on a specific target. Yeah, and you, the, can, uh, you can split them up. So yeah. they've all got keywords, but you don't have to have them in the same formation. They can split up. But that affects bonuses and things like that. So, yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Because obviously he was saying from his experience in the army and stuff, you know, that's what you would do and blah blah blah. And it's like that's a that's a good way to come with things. Somebody has experience in warfare, making a war game. Yeah. So, to replicate that experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that sounds good. Are we gonna get people walking through the? Ah, uh, yeah. No, no. No, well, they're looking. No. No, 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 no. This is where they go. Anyway, <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to walk through no. shop. Okay. No, we, should, we, we should have like a tally yeah. every time somebody walks through shop. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, so there's been a lot. Um, Another one, uh, Rob from Dice Sports. Oh, uh, so yeah. he did Air, Air Flicks, so we did it. Space, Star Flicks. Star Flicks? Yes. So it's basically Air Flicks, which is World War II. Um, Star Flicks is um, space. So it's basically the same sort of principle with fighters and stuff like that, but with spaceships. And he says, for Airflix and for Starflix, they're gonna have capital ships. Oh. And, oh, we nearly got a ding. We nearly got a ding. Yeah. Uh, we nearly got something through camera. But uh, we're getting a, uh, so basically you have a capital ship. So they have hexes on their boards. Of course, For yeah. the movement, which you don't use in air. You basically, you flick them and they, yeah. they go wherever. But in this ones, the big capital ships or the Lancaster bombers that they're gonna have in World War II, Ooh. they move by hex. And it's literally about escorting these big, these like frigates and uh, these big uh, fight, uh, bombers and stuff to their sort of like targets. Nice. And I think it's a really good idea. That, yeah, I mean, I think that was one thing that was missing from Airflix. It was very just purely skirmish based. You had very few kind of escort missions or defense missions. Having a capital ship kind of, that goes from A to B yeah, yeah. and is vulnerable. Uh, then you kind of, it changed up the tactics because they no, no longer about keeping your fighters alive. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. you're keeping that target alive. So you, you'll be more willing to sacrifice a fighter if it means taking out someone that could do a kill shot. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's going to be very just an vote. Shake it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's been good. I've enjoyed myself. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad I've come. And it's been great. I mean, it's the first time we've seen each other in three yeah. years. Yeah, true. Actually, well, actually in, in a, person. In, in person. actual person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. You don't realise that you haven't seen people. Thank God. I mean, I'm not seeing, like, I don't think I've met, I've not met John Joe in person. I've not met yeah. uh, Josh in person. Uh, I've not met, uh, who else comes on the podcast sometimes? I've not met in person. I've met Orvis. I've met, um, Bev, Bev, Bevan. Yeah, just, uh, well, just I've made him here every year now these days. But um, yeah, there's a lot of people who, you know, from the website that we don't sort of meet. Yeah. And uh, Mark, I've not met Mark. Mark's tried numerous times because he comes up, he used to come up north quite a lot. He's yeah. like, do you fancy saying that? I was like, oh man, I'm busy, I can't do stuff. So I've not met him. Not through his not trying, yeah. but uh, you know. Well, I've met um, Dave. All right. Yeah, he was travelling up north, so he was like, oh, he's going to stop, he's going to, uh, stop over midway. Yeah, yeah. And we realised, well, Pete lives midway, so... So you met Dave? We met, met Dave there. Oh, right, no yeah. Way. Okay. So yeah, had, hung out, had a meal, chatted. Oh, yeah, okay. good. Yeah. Did you hit him with your axe? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. 
D&D reference there, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not watching our D&D stream on Thursdays or watching it back on YouTube, yeah. then you're not cool enough. No, I mean, you'll see it that way. Jack yeah. and Nina did a total party kill. Yeah. <laughs> wiped out, wiped yeah. out the, um, the mage, hit the Warforge, yeah. and just about take out the um, archer. Yeah, the elf archer. And yeah. th they got me. Yeah, then they finally got you. Um, I was wondering, like, because we were down doing an interview with Steve Fox from Vanguard Tactics and stuff, which is a really good interview, by the way. He's very, he does sort of, um, he does sort of like coaching on 40K, on being better at the game, but in a very sort of methodical, thought out way. Lovely chap. Um, and there was this massive scream, and I was like, what the hell is going on? And then we were outside, and there's a bunch of guys reenacting re as yeah. Vikings and Romans and stuff, so they were obviously sort of kind of like fight, facing off and stuff. And I was like, ah, it makes a lot well, yeah, more and sense. And I've been like, there are lot, it's not just games. You've got cosplayers, reenactors. I mean, literally, they've got a massive Viking camp just outside. Oh, right, that's it. See, because they did yeah. that last time. They actually had a Viking camp. Yeah, yeah they've got yeah, a Viking yeah. camp. Just... Yeah. They're, not allowed, they're not allowed to bring their... Um... Oh, we'll talk about the orcs, right? So here's, here's something else, right? It reminds me, right? So we've got some orcs. Uh, some... Oh, Urukai, please. Oh, Urukai, yeah, we've got some Urukais over there and stuff. Um, and um, they're a part of um, Galactic Knights. The Galactic Knights, yeah. Cosplay crew do a lot of charity work. So my, just people. Right, this is completely, you, you can maybe have an opinion on this yourselves. We have our own opinion, but um, we were sitting at the camera sorting stuff out. Um, these guys from Galactic Knights came in, there were costumes, and we're just going like this. Um, They've come over to talk to Pete because they know Pete. Yeah, no sci-fi weekend. This run. guy comes over and he says, "Excuse me, excuse me. You know you've up upset a child over there." And we're laughing it off like yeah. he's taking the piss. Yeah, like he's like, "Well, you know." And, and to be fair, so was um, the orcs. They said, "Oh, great, yeah. Yeah. excellent, excellent, yeah, yeah." And then he started getting like really serious. Like, yeah, no, like seriously, you've upset this child. I want you to apologize. And he's just like, "What?" Yeah, the, the pound this was inappropriate. Yeah, he's just, and he was just like. Yeah, because you know, you, you, you've just gone and screamed and this has upset this child. You've got a mother and daughter over there really upset and you need to apologize. And the guy was like, I don't think she wants an orc that's upset her walking yeah. up to her and apologizing and stuff. Already, that, an already upset child. Now, I mean, the best thing you can do is essentially take the child away yeah. from what the cause of the upset. I mean, I have three children, I've taken them along to events, and every now and then they have been upset at the sight of it. Like, yeah. And what you do is you just manage that and you kind of explain it to them. Yeah. And like, best like, calm them down, then take them over to the event, to the uh, stall afterwards. And so, these are the people that pretend to be orcs or stormtroopers. Yeah, but it was just, it was just, he was being such a Jobsworth. Yeah. He was being such a Jobsworth. And it was just like, he, he came over and he was really going for it to the point where I, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't having a go. But I was like, and he said, I was like, look, mate, you know, kids get upset and yeah. things and stuff like that. And he says, oh, are you the manager? I was like, no, I'm not the manager. Yeah, we're asking like, the manager. Like and I said, he wanted, he wanted, he wanted to complete, he wanted the guy's name. He was being such girl's a- Girl's name, girl's name, Joanne. Oh, right, sorry, being the girl's name. Uh, he was just being um, just an absolute douchebag. Yeah. And I was just like, look, mate, when I was a kid, the, the neighbor had a wolf mask on, and literally every time that guy came out of this house with that wolf mask, that we would, me and my brother would cry and stuff like that. Yeah. Kids cry when they see it. It is, like that. yeah, because they don't, they don't, it's the way they process the information, yeah. and it is, you know, unnerving for them. But to be fair, you no, know, when you go somewhere like this, you should expect that, and also explain to the child that what you will see here, you know, is fantasy. It's make believe. It's play. I, I just, it, you know, it's not like I. 
I'm pretty sure he didn't even go. He was like, just he walked in, from what I saw, he walked into the convention center, roared. The kid got upset. And then this Jobsworth came over and started being a knobhead. And I was just like, oh, oh man, what the hell? What's that yeah. all about? I just, yeah. People like that really are just, it's like, I don't even think, I don't think he had anything to do with the, the woman and her child. I he, don't know. I, mean, I don't think it was the father. I don't think it was. Because she seemed, walked off and he was just sort of kind of. I didn't even see the child to be. No, I saw it. Like she, like, obviously the mother seemed, you know, it could be like she was upset because her child was upset. But the thing is, when you're coming, you've got to understand. And you know, I don't have kids, but I yeah. know kids here, yeah. and they get scared of silly things yeah. and stuff. And it's not because it shouldn't be the other person's fault. You know, I used to be scared of clowns and stuff like that. I'm not going to. I'm still scared ask, of clowns. Yeah, everybody who's going to ask, you know, every person who's dressed as a clown to apologise because no. my, you know, I got upset and stuff. You know, it's just. Well, I mean, I took um, my well. When my eldest was quite young, and we didn't have like the other two kids, we went to the um, movie mania weekend at the National Space Centre. And first time she went there, some time of life, she was trying to grab the xenomorph's tail and bite it. And like then a year later, went again, and she was scared of stormtroopers. Right. Because okay. of, like because there was no face, they're yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. the vox, and you just kind of know it's just pretend. So yeah, there's. Time? No. Nope. And we're just saying how much time we've got. We've got five minutes left. Okay. Please. Well, yeah, like I was saying, like, no, it's children, they will get scared of these things. And it's our responsibility as parents to know how best to manage and create that experience for them, to kind of introduce them to it and say, no, just explain it all to them. Yeah. So, no, I don't think. Yeah. I just, yeah. The, the moral to the story is. Don't, don't be, be a dick. don't be a mor don't be a, a bloody jobs worth don't yeah. be a, a hero because it's like you know if it was something if if it was an intentional sort of kind of uh, something then I could understand but it was just it was fun it was just somebody yeah. in a cosplay kid. having fun yeah just and I do not get the impression it was inappropriate in any way I think they were just having fun yeah they and were. Ends up being Yeah, exactly. So it's just one of those things. Don't be a job's worth. Yeah. Anyway, so we've only got five minutes left on this camera for recording time, unfortunately. So um, what I'm going to do is we're going to say goodbye, and then I'm going to tag on some of our interviews yeah. at the end of this. Uh, not for the video one. The video one you have to watch them individually. But if you're going to listen to the podcast, you get to listen to all of them back to back. Um, I did introduction to each one and stuff. But um, yeah, so we have all of them on there for you to listen to. Um, podcast is not doing too badly at the minute, so if you're watching this, please do subscribe. Like, like subscribe, share, well, please tell yeah. your friends, the more people that get listen, and tell us what you want us to speak, talk yeah, about. We've got a lot of guests we can probably get on. We're sort yeah. of aiming for, we're aiming slightly bigger now. I try to get a few more people on. Um, so yeah, make sure we're yeah. on all We're going to get Jonathan Green on yeah. of, from Fantasy, Fighting Fantasy. Yeah. We've got a lot of people uh, potentially to come on. Um, so please check it out. Um, so for me, Matt Geary, and for Peter Ray Allison at UK Games Expo 2022, see you later and thanks a lot. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Peter Ray Allison for Geek Pride coming to you live from the UK Games Expo 2022. And joining me today is Chris Birch of Rediffius. Chris, Hi. how are you doing? I'm good, yeah. Feet are a bit sore, but uh, we're getting there. Yeah, I mean, this is like busy. I mean, yeah, I was busy, here last yeah. year, it was COVID restrictions, very quiet. 
but this feels back to normal. Everyone's back in force. Queen's giving them a holiday. <laughs> exactly, yeah, it's really, it's good, it's good. It's really yeah. good to see everyone back here. Yeah. Now, one thing, I want, you do a lot of games, and I mean a lot of games, but one thing you've been working on is Roll versus Evil. Yes. So what is that? So, um, obviously, my wife is from Belarus, and they've been suffering a lot under this kind of brutal regime. Uh, Lukashenko, the president, has been in power for too long. And we wanted to um, do something, you know, what, what's often frustrating is you just want to be able to do something, but now, I don't want to just give some money that might get used for some good in some unspecified amount of time. I want to fight evil right now. And so the pitch really is, if you're going to fight evil on the tabletop playing D&D or whatever your game is, why not do it in the real world as well? And often we don't have a vehicle to do that. So Roll versus Evil is a vehicle so you can actually fight evil. So what we do is we're going out and finding the evil guys that we can fight. And at the moment, that's Ukraine. So Ukraine suffered this illegal invasion. We've gone out and found frontline groups that we can send money to this week, not in three months, but today, tomorrow, next week. And we're finding people like, so we're getting you know, trauma bandages for terrible gunshot wounds to the frontline guys in the army, just innocents who get caught up in the shooting. We're getting uh, uh, fracture splints for broken bones, broken arms, legs, which is there's a lot of on the front lines. Um, we're helping evacuate uh, old age pensioners, uh, senior citizens and disabled people who usually get forgotten in all the evacuations. So people, the really vulnerable people. And, and our next step, and we're, we're, we're kind of doing little phases of fundraising. The next step is to help fight the kidnapping on the borders. So a lot of women and children getting kidnapped by people at the borders. Hey, I've got a, I'll give you a lift to Warsaw to this yeah. hostel. Never get there. And it's happening quite a lot. So we're, and we can point to, we know there's this group who've been kidnapped. We're going after them. We're going to try and rescue them. So we're doing a lot of work like that so we can show the results. And it's really easy to get involved. It's a bit like when you were kids and you were doing a sponsored run, you go around your friends, hey, will you sponsor me a quid to do a run? In this, it's get sponsored by your friends to play a game. And then during the game, you can re-roll the dice. If it costs a quid. Nice. Or you could draw another card. That's two quid. You know, whatever you want. Any, any kind of silly excuse. Uh, do you want to have another saving throw? Sure. It's a quid. Yeah. Um, so it's just do a fun game and see how much money you can raise. Like any charity event, donate it into the rollversusevil.com. We've got a Just Giving page. You can see everything that's going on. We're posting updates about where the money's going and how it's getting used. And we're going to have regular kind of fundraising programs. We're doing streaming events where people can call in, hey, I'm going to put in a, a 10 quid. I want Dave to have another another go at that, yeah. that role. And so. rather than just, you know, vague support, this is direct aid yeah, going to be... you can actually do something. We can actually do something where, you know, we can show, yeah, we just got out um, 32 people on the Ukraine football team's coach that we managed to hire <laughs> from, uh, from Kharkiv, and it's all disabled and all age pensioners. So, you know, we can actually show stuff that was done uh, on the front lines. You know, we're getting food supplies. We just, um, you know, got a load of, um, you know, sleeping bags yeah. for refugees in the Viv. So um, we're able, sometimes we're able to get stuff for free. Uh, sometimes, we're, you know, we're paying for stuff. You know, we're also coordinating, finding companies uh, who've got supplies. They just don't know how to get it. And we've got the government contacts in Lviv. We can get supplies in, get it to the right people. So you're almost like, you're almost like bypassing the middleman and just get, sending the aid. Well, you know, the big right charities, I mean, you know, obviously they're, doing, they're, they're yeah. trying to cope with all the millions of refugees. And that's, that's also a big need. But there's still 
people on the front lines who desperately need bandages. Yeah. Desperately need antiseptics. You know. So um, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're finding the people who are being missed by the big charities. Yeah. Really. The, the charities look at the numbers. You look at the people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, like you hear the UK Games Expo, yeah, with a lot of games. And I mean, yes. June is the big one, I think. Yeah, June the one, one of the big ones. Yeah. Now, the June Roblin game is fantastic. And what I really liked about it is like it stays very true to the yeah. theme of the books. I mean, when you're creating the June game, how did you approach what was canon and what wasn't? And because you've got you've got the, you've got two films now. You've got the the book and well, we get to work with the estate. Um, we make sure everyone on the team is mad, mad for it, for, yeah. uh, for June. Uh, but it was, it's still tricky, you know, like what you think might be canon might actually not be true. Okay. Because, you know, obviously you've got, um, you know, the estate, yeah, um, uh, Brian, and, uh, you know, what's come before. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people remember things, go, no, that's in the movie. That's in the old movie, and that's not canon, you know. So, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, um, I call it institutional knowledge that everyone thinks they've got around June, and you have to go, this is actually what's the canon. And we're also walking kind of adjacent to the new movies. Yeah. So, you, you know, you'll notice that the armour, the Atreides armour, it looks like the armour in the movie. You'll notice the ornithopters look the same. So we're very uh, close to the movie, but obviously the Atreides family look different because we're not using the talent likenesses. Yeah. And we're not using, um, you know, a lot of the, well, the, the actors. But we want people to be able to create their own Dune universe, but in a familiar environment. And you know, we're working alongside Dune and the legendary films. To you know, as as the films come out, yeah. you know, you'll see more and more content too. Yeah, because there's the core rule book out, and I think you just released the campaign set, haven't you? Yeah, uh, which has got Agents of Dune here, the nice box set, which is basically a standalone product. You don't need the core book. Oh. So if you're like, you know, just want a whole load of handouts, I mean, it's great as an accessory for a Dune GM. But if you want a whole uh, uh, campaign to dive in and you don't really want to get just the core book yet and then have to buy other stuff, you can get this. It comes with a PDF of the core book, and it's, but it's also got everything you need in the box to play, just to get playing, loads of cool handouts, uh, loads of information. So it's a really handy tool. Yeah, because I mean, the handout is what the key. I mean, it yeah. gives the players a tactile yeah. thing to interact with. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And also, we've also got Fallout as well. Yes. My friend here. Your friend. <laughs> yeah, so again, how did Fallout come about? Well, I mean, I was, uh, I've been doing a lot of licensed games, uh, and I, before that I was doing licensed clothing. I was doing like, a lot of video game t-shirts. Oh, so wow. I was working with a lot of big video games companies. And when I um, launched Modifius, uh, I think it was after a couple of years, I was like, gosh, you know what? I know the people at Bethesda. I want to go and pitch them to do a game. And I mean, it took several years. Finally got a phone call with the right person. And, um, and they were too busy and, you know, what are tabletop games? They didn't really, really? care. You know, it's, we, you know, the industry wasn't doing much license-wise yeah. at the time. And they didn't have the time, you know, their games make, you know, yeah. tens, hundreds of millions. You know, we're a small fry. So eventually I got the right pitch. I said, yeah, what if we did Warhammer Fallout? And they were like, okay, I understand what you mean. Because yeah. not everyone's a gamer, but if you say Warhammer Whoa. and Fallout, you kind of get, okay, it's going to be miniatures, it's going to be rules. So, and then cut a long story short, three or four years later, we had a contract, we were getting on with it, and then we added Skyrim, 
Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I mean, also you got the, I've seen the Skyrim game of that, and that looks yeah. fantastic. Yeah, with this beautiful big Bleak Falls Barrow. I know. Ceiling set. Yeah. How long did that take to build? Uh, well, we I mean we commissioned a fantastic artist in the UK to build this for us. For those of you off camera, you probably can't see this, but it's yeah. a oh, you go, you're seeing a, a turn. It's amazing, uh, and it's if you've got to fight your way to the top yeah. oh, through nice. the Draugr. So yeah, um, yeah so we've had great fun with all the scenery. We've got like resin uh, uh, word walls and dungeon walls, Draugr dungeon walls. We've got you know Fallout vault walls. We've really gone heavily into 3D print support as well. So we're getting a lot of scenery that and stuff that would be crazy to sell in resin because yeah. it'd be so expensive. We're doing it in 3D print, you know, and so people can print it at home. Well. Yeah, I mean, Skyrim has got a lot of um, fan support behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so how do you kind of recreate the, the kind of feel of Skyrim as a tabletop well, game? I mean, the whole point is not to actually recreate the game because you might as well just play the game. Yeah. So, like with Fallout, it was more about, well, it's usually, you know, you're running around the wasteland, but what if you had some friends with you? You know, what if when Preston Garvey says another settlement needs your help, you can go, right, well, you're coming with me too. <laughs> So it's, you know, it's all about having fun battles with, you know, three, five, 10, 15 characters on your side. So you can play that much bigger game. Same thing with Elder Scrolls. You know, it's again, it's, you know, it might be you and a companion, but, but what if there was like 15 of you? What if you had a whole unit yeah. of Imperial soldiers or you were like all the Stormcloaks or you were a bunch of the Brotherhood? You know, the Dark Brotherhood going on some assassination mission. Yeah. So it's, you know, and also we, I'm a big believer in solo and co-op gaming. You know, my, I, I think so many people don't have the time to get together with their friends. Yeah. Or even if they do, they don't want to be playing against them. And there's so much more fun you can have actually playing a co-op war game. My, my goal is to make the war games are the most fun to lose. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> way more fun to lose. Absolutely. Because telling a story. And, uh, and so I think Fallout and, and Elder Scrolls really do tell a story. You've got so much, there's a lot of narrative going on. We've got um, you know, dungeon delving where you could just be one character, you could be five characters, one each, or you know, a whole crew. And uh, you know, there's a lot of kind of settlement building and all sorts of interesting campaigns. Yeah, because I mean, like, both Skyrim and Fallout are very character-driven. And yeah. the setting there as background, but the narrative is purely character, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's so much characterization, and, but also you've got to be careful that you don't go too detailed because you, you know, it's, you, you, the temptation is to do everything the video game does, but then why not just sit back yeah. and play PlayStation, you know, or PC. So, I mean, again, it's all about how do we get that Fallout or Elder Scrolls experience without the complex rules? And, uh, and you know, there's always a battle between the right rules to tell the story and and uh, not too many rules, so it puts people off playing. Yeah, and obviously the mechanics that work in a video game don't necessarily work in a yeah. tabletop. And the video game has got a powerful PC, which, you know, running all the calculations for you. So you need to strip it down a lot. So. Okay, so obviously it's 2022. Where do you go from here? You got, ah. you got, you got Skyrim, Fallout, June. Yeah. Fun. And Cthulhu, which I haven't like, mentioned yet. Yeah, yeah. So where do you go from here? Well, obviously, there's the Skyrim um, adventure game coming, the big board game. Ooh. Uh, you, you, you travel across Skyrim on uh, loads of quests that kind of uh, rewrite themselves as you play again and again. It's like you'll see a different story every time you play. Uh, we've got the Spectre board game that's going on pre-order next week uh, on the 14th. I'm um, oh, sorry, week after next. So that's a big um, board game where you play all the bad guys. Oh. Like, you can fill 
trying to fulfill your secret plot, but of course Bond keeps turning up and you have to then tell him everything. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, you know, that's going to be hilarious. So, um, and then we've got, uh, gosh, I mean, Cohorts Cthulhu is our big new project. We're launching yeah. same universe as Acton Cthulhu, but now you're adventurers in the Roman Empire. About 160 AD, 2nd second, century, the um, Aurelia, the, the uh, big plague is about, the Antonine Plague is about to sweep across the empire. Wonder who's behind that. Ooh. And there's a big secret plot unfolding. It's a big prequel to Acting Cthulhu. There's all sorts of um, ancient Atlantean technology you can get hold of. You get to be brave Roman legionnaires. You might be uh, wily Germanic hunters. So yeah. it's it's very much historical fantasy. It could be D&D, Keep on the Borderlands. Yeah. Where you go out into the wilderness, into the forest. just happens that the soldiers are wearing Roman armor. But nice. Pretty much, and there's no elves, but there's, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, forest peoples, yeah. you know, Germanic peoples who know the woods of great archers. You know, there's no dwarves, but there's a big burly blacksmith, you know, from the north who's got some cool secret, you know, equipment for you. You know, so that sounds fantastic. And also, <laughs> my credit card's going to hate me. <laughs> so, yep, this has been Peter Rielsen for Geek Pride at Thanks. UK Games Expo 2022. Signing off with Chris Birch. Thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, Matt Geary here for Geek Pride at UK Games Expo 2022. My good friend, Stephen Box, how are you, sir? I'm very well. Mate, great to see you again. Yeah, man, it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. It's been yeah. a very long time. So, Vanguard Tactics, going from strength to strength. I remember you when you were a little channel. I was Not, a tiny channel. Well, yeah, a tiny yeah. channel, yeah. I suppose I still feel of myself like that now, really. But I'm not, it's um, so well, so well. Thank you, yeah. So tell us about yourself. Who, what are Vanguard Tactics? What do you do? Um, and what's helped with the meteoric, meteoric rise? Okay, so yeah, Vanguard Tactics, we specialize in really helping encourage sportsmanship and fair play in Warhammer 40k. And also, hopefully, that then spreads into other tabletop games. Uh, my, my approach has always been about empowering people through education and just helping them feel a lot more confident when you get to the table. The game can be quite overwhelming and complex, but it's about simplifying that just so we can really enjoy the hobby. So Vanguard Tactics was, yeah, essentially driven and created to solve some of those problems, really. Yeah. And uh, so you have, you were talking to the chap earlier, you've got like tiers depending on what needs, needs people have. Yep. So can you explain those? Yeah, so we have our Vanguard Tactics Academy, and the Academy very similar to, I suppose, like an online university course. It was very much like the inspiration for it would have been the course that I would have loved to study when I got back into the hobby. Right. Um, I've always been someone that's wanted to, um, everything I've done, whether I've bought a camera, I've always wanted to invest in myself to know how to use it better, to really maximize that. So yeah, we've our Academy course takes you over 16 weeks program where we look at every single phase of the game from list writing to deployment to really maximizing your preparation before you go to a tournament um, and that's what exactly the academy does is takes you through that step by step to help you feel a lot more confident at the table and uh, you obviously go around and you're you, you, you did very well with your bloody angels recently yep so um took went to the bay area open uh, in san francisco last week um and yeah did exceptionally well i was really happy with my performance um i went after day two, I was the only undefeated player with Blood Angels, so I was really co happy with that. Obviously, nobody's expecting it. Well, you think? Um, see, this this is it because obviously, what are your views? On, with, with you've obviously done very well with a codex, which is at the bottom end at this moment in time. Yeah. So, what do you feel about codex creep? How do you do? You think that's a thing, or is it just people aren't thinking right about the codex that they're they're? I, um, 
So I think anytime a new codex comes into like the environment, as it were, there's it's got a new predator in town, and it does take a little bit of time for people to adjust to yeah. maybe understand how to actually figure them out, how to beat them. Um, but I think what I've seen in the past is so many people jump on the most efficient list, but what they're not doing is really understanding the game itself. Right. So they're missing so many fundamentals of the game, which gives you know players like myself, which really know their army inside out, opportunities to outplay their opponent. Um, and yeah, certainly some books have come out which have been stronger than others. That's a fact. They've been obviously then Games Workshop are dedicated to constantly balancing the game, which is brilliant. But just jumping on the most recent hotness isn't actually going to help you as a player all it's going to do is hurt your bank balance so uh yeah. all i want to do is empower people to take their favorite army which is why i never run a meta list i'm yeah. always taking very something true. very different yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and i want to do the best job i can with it to you know empower people to go I, I play blood angels if steve can do it he's an idiot i can do it too so uh that's kind of the um yeah well see one of my see i i've been I haven't played uh, a tournament in a while. Uh, yeah. I love my Space Wolves and stuff, but I just don't feel they've been very effective. Um, I appreciate there are some lists that are more competitive than others. Sure. Um, how do you, somebody like me, he's maybe been a bit, I, I've been playing since Rogue Trader, like I've been yeah. playing 40K since day one, day dot. Uh, but recently I've just become slightly disillusioned with it because I feel like I don't want to have to jump ship and buy yeah, sure, a new yeah. army, and yeah. I, you know, I, I, I've got money. I can buy these things and stuff. Yeah. But it's just like I don't want to be those you don't guys. You feel I, like you have to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to. I want to use an army that I like using, and yeah. I want to be I, I do it in a way where I feel like I can enjoy it without spamming units and doing things like this. And yeah. So okay, so what you've said there is the like the biggest problem people have is they don't set realistic goals. Yeah. So what you've said there needs to underpin any other goal you then make. Right. So you might want to take, it could be, I want to take a Highlander army. I want to take one of every single thing, not lots of the same. Right. And I want to do as best as I can with my Space Wolf right. army, and the best I can we then need to quantify. So uh, maybe right. it might be, okay, so my first tournament. I want to score 50 points in every game. Regardless of winning or losing or drawing, you just try and score maybe 50 points in each game. You complete that tournament, and hey, if you lose every game, it doesn't matter. You still hit your target. Next tournament you go to, how do I get 55 out of every game? How do I get that to 60? How do I get what worked well, what didn't? Incremental goals. Exactly, yeah, because, you know, like obviously I used to be a fitness coach. If you went into the gym for the first time to do bench press, you wouldn't just go, oh, well, what does the latest guy take? <laughs> I, he does 250 kilos. Oh, okay, I'll put that on and give it a go. Okay. You would start with the lightest weight possible. Okay, I did that, I'll do a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Warhammer's no different. We can't think of it as a win or loss. We need to think about it as where are you now in your gameplay and how do we improve you as a player? So it's really having a much more healthier mindset, I think, for it. For me, it was how well can I do with Assault Centurions and Assault Marines? They're terrible units if you listen to anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, they were standout units because I knew why they were in my list and I knew how to use them. And that's the most important thing. Because I, I, I like I love Wolfen and I love the Thunderwolf Cavalry yeah. and it's like they're two units that Thunderwolf Cavalry have got a bit of a boost recently, but Wolfen have been completely nerfed to hell and stuff and it annoys me because there's such night you know yeah. I like the unit. I stuff. think they're back though. I think Wolfen have got play. Really? I genuinely think really? so. Ooh. You know what they fight on death. Now yeah. with armor of contempt means you don't necessarily have to take the storm shields. Yeah. I think there's play. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. The armor of contempt thing has yeah. sort of change things up somewhat yeah. um, 
Yeah, I, I think it's just, I think for me, um, I, I, would, I, I do another sort of kind of, I, like do two podcasts, I do the Geek Pride one and I do one with my mate, which is basically just about tabletop gaming and painting and stuff. Yeah. And um, we were talking about Codex Creep and sort of pet peeves about 40K and things like that. And mine was this list like, you know, for the average Joe who doesn't have loads of money to spend on an army, yeah. they shouldn't have to jump to the next best codex yeah. to sort of buy, because it's, you know, it's just, it's unhealthy, it's not good for your bank balance, it's not good. So you should be able to have an army that is competitive to a point yeah. without having to sort of go and spend money on, on, an, on the army. Now, yeah. What you've said makes a lot of sense. Having realistic goals yeah. on uh, when you go to a tournament. For me, it's always like I don't expect to win a tournament ever. Yeah. Like because I know I'm not. Yeah. I, you know, I, my lists are semi-fluffy, semi-competitive. They're, I put a little. I put enough thought into them to make them go. Well, that could work and that could sure, work. Sure, but yeah. I don't expect to win. If I come top fifty, brilliant. If I come top ten, which you know. Yeah. Three, three times in my life I think I come top 10 and stuff. Yeah. That's amazing, but that's yeah. just sort of like a thing that's just happened because yeah. some guy charged his knights into my wolf in when he shouldn't have done yeah. that and stuff, you know, when they make mistakes and things. So, yeah. Um, and it's just like, I, for me, it's just like, I want my space rules to be good again. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's such a good army. And I yeah. just think, you know, I just think, as a fluffy sort of thing. But I tell just, you what, if they were brilliant, you'd hate it as well. Oh, no, yeah, man. So, uh, I just, I the really, struggle is the good thing, oh, I think. Man, yeah. Like, like yeah. the last tournament I played was this, uh, it was a while back, it was Stonehammer one. And um, I played Dreadnought. I did Dreadnoughts, uh, inter, uh, Infiltrators, and Thunderbolt Cavalry. And I thought it was quite a good mixed wealth uh, yep. list. Um, it did well against um, a, um, what's it called, a, a Deathwing Terminator list. It did well against a, basically, um, uh, a melee sort of based uh, Chaos Army. Yep. It got absolutely obliterated by a Mortal Wounds Necron Army that yep. just went Mortal Wounds, Mortal Wounds, Mortal Wounds. And I was just like, oh, fuck's sake. But that, that's sometimes the game, right? So we, again, you need to know, and I think, having the more experience you become with it, you know, maybe this is a bad matchup for me. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. maybe my goal of achieving 50 points averagely maybe needs to be 45 in this game because it's a harder game. But in another one, you're going to push for that 55. Yeah, so yeah. you still get the average of 50 in every single game. So you're not yeah. doing it per turn, you're doing it per game. You're basically setting yourself yeah. goals per game. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. And hopefully that will you know, allow you to feel a little bit more fresh going into the game, yeah, knowing, yeah. right, Come on, I've got my own a little agenda here in terms of goals I want to achieve and how am I going to execute that? And then you'll be like, yeah, I did that. Okay, what is it in my list that was maybe lacking and holding me back from scoring that little bit more? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was a unit to do actions for you. Maybe it was more obsec you needed. Maybe it was a harder hitting combat unit. Whatever it might be, you'll find those little ways. I mean, I had a really bad experience at the BAO. One game, my opponent was running nids and extremely salty and negative right from the get-go and this opponent was in the like top of the top sort of where we were in the standings and it was quite disrespectful that the way that they acted at the table and I think because they had the meta list they expected to win and then when I was just outplaying them in terms of positioning them they got really funny with me and they didn't know their rules correctly yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually I'd much rather play an opponent that knows their rules really well that we can have a really good back and forth I don't need to ask you to check every rule yeah. you're not wondering why I'm checking every rule because you've got the last six wrong yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and it's one of those we can just enjoy the game and you know have a laugh and create a 
like one of my games I've literally got a friend for life we you know it's brilliant yeah. but it was because we had an awesome game together yeah. not me having to ask you to check something because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not understanding the game correctly so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. like I, I'm you know for me my, my rules knowledge because I've been out, I, I sort of kind of have dripped in and out of the game basically yeah. um, are all right but I'm happy for people to challenge me if, on things yeah. like that so I, I very much the case of if I've done something wrong, I yeah. would like you to tell me. Exactly. Stuff like that. I, I, yeah. It's not a problem for yeah. me in any way, shape, or form. Dude, you can't do that, or yeah. you know, you find that. Up. It was something like uh, I said, "Oh, hey, I, I think that stratagem's been FAQ'd. Would you mind checking it for me?" Yeah, I um, and they were like, "Oh, well, you know." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." They yeah. checked it, and oh, yeah, I can't use it. So yeah. again, it's not that that's a problem. It's more a case of we need to be accepting of it. We need to give our opponent the benefit of the doubt and we just need to chill out a little bit and just enjoy you, the game. Do you feel, because like um, Death, uh, the Deathwing uh, Terminators I, I was playing, I didn't, because I, I, I'd not played that list before and I didn't understand the rules. So I was questioning him all the time about it and stuff. Yeah. So I said, what does that do? What does that do? And stuff. Yeah. And he was explaining it and I couldn't grasp a concept and stuff. And he was trying to, and he was getting really annoyed at me. And I was wrong, you know, he was right, but yeah. it was just like, I felt like a dick because I was questioning him okay, about it yeah. and stuff. And I was just like, I said to him, I said, look, man, I'm really sorry. I wasn't trying to be a knobhead or anything. It's just like, it's just I just fully didn't understand what you were trying to get yeah. across to me and stuff. So yeah. I apologize profusely to him and stuff. But, yeah. So I, I'm very much mindful that when I question somebody, it's not out of like you're you know you're wrong away. You're wrong. Yeah. You want to like, know? I want yeah. to understand. I and and know. I think you said that in exactly the right way. Hey, I'm really struggling to grasp this. Yeah. Before we move on, would you just mind explaining that to me? Could we yeah. have a look for your book quickly? Yeah, yeah. Um, just so I can understand it a little bit better. And I think. You say it in the right way. I'll be like, "Hey, no worries. Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. me talk you through it." Because I'd much rather spend that time with you, helping you understand my army, so that there's not gotcha moments, or you feel like you're getting caught out, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you feel like, "Oh, I'm not even sure what's going on here." So there's no point playing. That's a horrible feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and something I always, when I start playing a game, I always say, "Hey, if you have any questions whatsoever, please ask me. Here's what you need to look out for. Here's what my army can do." Um, and it's about being transparent and honest. That's and a if, very healthy way to do things, yeah, man. You really get a is. lot of people, and I, like I've met some amazing people, like yourself. Like you know, I met a, some really like friends for life. I've met some really nice yeah. people while playing the game. I've met some absolute neckbeards who like I just would never want to talk yeah. to ever again. Like there are some people there, and they're literally throwing strops if you do anything. Yeah. Uh, if you get them at something, then they're just like they're effectively packing stuff, throwing models into things, yeah. and just generally being assholes and stuff. Yeah. And it's just. Well, hopefully we're, this is obviously like what my campaign in sort yeah, of, yeah. is just striving to help people understand that there is another way to play. Somebody came up to me earlier and they said, Steve, before I watched your videos, I was a very salty player. And actually watching your videos and taking your inspiration on how you play it, I'm enjoying the game so much more. They've relaxed. They've set more appropriate goals for themselves. And actually they're helping now other people see the, this other way to play the game. And it's much more enjoyable. So um, yeah, mate. It'd be okay. great to see you back at tournaments. Yeah, well, I will, man. I think I, I, I want to try and get myself out more. Yeah. And it's more just for the painting purpose. Because yeah. one thing about playing a tournament is I have to paint things. It's accountability. And my, my, yeah. my, sort of, my, my pile of shame is sort of, you know, yeah. going. So I, it's something I want to do and stuff. Um, it's just like, it wasn't even the last tournament. It was just more that, you know, I think with, the way, uh, like, I love Games Workshop. I was going to do an article about it. I love them. I've, no, I've had them since pretty much I, I was a child and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I think some of their practices in uh, the way they release codexes and stuff, I'm not sure if I agree. It's, I understand why they do it. It's, do you know what has been really tough is 
it's unfortunately been COVID. Yeah. It's had a massive impact behind the scenes in, you know, shipping issues and, you know, closures and the rest of it. So um, hopefully now we're sort of through a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I, I'm a little bit more privy to things behind the scenes being a playtester. Yeah. But I, when people expect, I'm like, of course, that makes perfect sense, right? So um, hopefully we're through that now. And um, I'm yeah. very excited about the future of the game. Uh, the healthy state that it's going to be going into and the changes that Games Workshop have made in the last 12 months, the commitment to balance updates and the, the I mean, the recent releases of Knights have been fantastic and hopefully going forward, we remain plain sailing. How are you, what are you feeling about squats? Or the, um, I, can, I can't wait. Yeah, they man. look awesome, yeah. right? They look yeah, absolutely yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I was like, and I've, I've got little Jake on my channel and he's like, I've got an army. They've made an army for me. And I'm like, so Jake's like, I want to do squats. I was like, sure. Yeah. Okay, so, so um, uh, the channel, yeah. um, what, when, when do you stream? What's, what's the squad? So we stream every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, uh, or British summer time, or Greenwich mean time, obviously time zone specific. Um, and yeah, we basically stream our, our live 40k games. We have an entertainment and educational kind of game. Uh, you can interact with us, you can ask us questions. Um, and yeah, we've also got the podcast, the Competitive 40k podcast. Which is doing as very well. well. Thank, yeah, it's doing really well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, that's where we cover a little bit of rules in, in a bit more detail. Um, and uh, yeah, there we have it. Yeah. Well, mate, I want to see you at tournaments again. Yeah. And if you need some help with your space rules, you give yes, me a shout. Okay? I think I may do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cheers, dude. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Peter A. Allison for Geek Pride, coming to you live from the UK Games Expo 2022. And I am with Jared Earl, Nightfall Games. Mark Rapson, Nightfall Games. Okay, the last time we chatted, yep. no, Terminator RPG was in development. Yes. Where do we stand now? It's, the PDFs are out and the book is, in the, is at the printers. We literally discussed, before you turned up, we were discussing with the printer who was here, um, the final touches on getting the book started. So it's at the printers, it's being made. Okay, so literally any day now, it could be at the sh your friendly local game store. Yeah. Give, it, give it five week. to six weeks, yeah. I reckon. Five to six weeks. So August yeah. time, expecting it? Or, yeah, uh, what or we July? June, July, end Ju of July probably. End of July? Yeah. End of right, so what can we expect from it? Uh, 224 printed pages Excellent. in colour. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Slay Industries has a very you know, powerful visual design. Yes, it does. Um, does that kind of carry over into Terminator? Yes. So we've got um, a mixture. So the the, um, the artists within Slay Industries, a lot of them are also part of the Terminator team, but we also have some new artists in Terminator to make it a little bit different. Um, we've got a lot of very visual and interesting work uh, around it. So there's, there's some really beautiful pieces, very sort of explanatory of what's going on. We've got some new images of all the different Terminators, because there's so many Terminators beyond what we know from the movie. So you've got uh, Terminators that are, in effect, dogs, you've got rats, you've got cats, but you've got lots of variants, and uh, even ones that look like vagrants that just sit there and hide away. Lots going on, and also there's a campaign book that gives you a whole 12-part campaign that is uh, all story art uh, based around the comic books and some new stuff that we've created as well. So basically, not only is there going to be a, a real book, there's also going to be a campaign, can we expect GM screens, yes. expansions? Yeah, GM <coughs> screen, and um, this is a bit of a scoop for you. Ooh. As of yesterday, I commissioned Andrew Gasker, who's the main art, um, author. He's also the guy behind Aliens uh, RPG. Fantastic game. Awards everywhere. But, um, he, I've just commissioned him to write a 12-parter uh, campaign that we're going to release monthly over the next 12 months. Oh wow! And that's going to be really exciting. So we do that as a PDF, 
so it'll be quick for people to download and then eventually at the end of it we may well look at setting it up as a book in oh, its, own, its own form. So. That is fantastic because I mean there's a lot of dedicated fans behind Terminator. I mean, I mean also there's a lot of material out there, you've got the comics, the films and the video games. I mean when you kind of creating the... Should we, tell, should we tell them the other thing as well? Go on. Go on. So Terminator, this first is, movie comic books. That's what we have movie. for this license. Where would you go next? T2. Okay, we'll do T2. Let's do nice. T2. Hey, should we do Terminator we'll do 2? Yeah. Let's, let's get the license, shall we? Yeah, we'll do it. That, by we'll the way, it. is a, a, an official scoop. Yeah. Excellent. So that we haven't told anybody until we so told So T2, so that's going to be like a separate proper game or an expansion for this It's going to be, um, in effect, an expansion on this book. So you, wouldn't, you, you, um, you will be able to play all the new stuff. So what makes this really exciting is it, obviously T1000, so yep. the liquid metals, but you're also going to be, have the ability to now play T800s and some of the other Terminators as playable characters. How cool is that? So you imagine your group of survivors includes a T800 or a TS300 yeah. or, or whatever. <laughs> you to do. So, Hasta yeah. la vista, baby. Yeah, I mean, well, one thing we'll ask as well is like the, the T800s are much more physically powerful yeah. than the humans. Thank you, Matt. And um, so, how would you kind of, from a game balance perspective, how do you kind of balance the human characters with the T800s? This will all be answered in the Terminator 2 book. Yeah, Excellent. There's, there's that, for example, they might be really good. They might be very sturdy and strong and powerful, but are they uh, socially capable? Are yeah. they uh, intelligent, intelligent enough. enough for investigation, etc., etc.? Can they make abstract leaps yes. of thought or yeah. have unique concepts that they can come up with, or are they just literally following a set of needs of programming? All of these things need to be determined inside the character to, for balancing. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah, and that's you know what, what our you know team's how. currently doing right now. Excellent, so when could we expect that, really? Well, we're likely to be doing the Kickstarter within this year, um, and I suspect that'll be towards uh, quarter three, quarter four of this year, yep. given that we've quarter two already, so yeah. or towards the end of it. So. Then, then at least a year's development. Yeah, well, we've got uh, stuff's already going on, right. so we've got lots going on right now, but what we we will do, obviously, is we want to get to a certain point before we go to Kickstarter, so... We don't have quite such a delay of release afterwards. And also, the more we get done beforehand, the less variables there are afterwards. So it means we're more likely to get a, an estimate of delivery better as a company. And that's yeah. something we want to do across all So have a foundation to work from, yeah. and then you can like have a much yeah. more dedicated uh, timeline. So Terminator for us is going to be an ongoing uh, and key part of our product range, but we've also got a lot of other things coming as well. So we've got obviously more stuff coming to Slay Industries. We've announced a game called Haravel, we've announced a game called Stokerverse RPG based around Dracula and all of that stuff. And we've also got a, a more board game that we're, we're creating, which will be um, called Demon Dog, which has come out of Dave Allsop's mind, uh, alongside Jared and myself. And this is looking, it's, like it's going to be a small book, like Morgborg, but it'll be um, from Nightfall Games. It's our ode to the Morgborg thing. Yeah. That's excellent. I look forward to seeing playing all those games in the future. Matt Geary here, UK Games Expo 2022, with Will. Uh, War on Terror. What's the name of the company? So the company name is AWA Game Design. Okay. Um, that stands for Alex Weber, William Anton. Okay. Um, it's a nice, easy way of putting us both in the uh, company name. <laughs> and uh, we're the guys who've produced War on Terror. Okay, so what is War on Terror? War on Terror is a, oh well, without sounding too cliche, it's a brand new sci-fi tabletop war game um, that we want to bring to the world, um, hopefully toward the end of this year. Uh, we're looking at winter time. Um, the one thing we've noticed from 
talking to people here at the expo, what really makes it different is we get a lot of people asking, is it skirmish or is it army? The best way I can say and answer that is yes, it's both. Um, it doesn't matter depending on the size of the game, the time you've got, the rules are the rules, they scale. See, this is right. So this is one thing, and this is why we're talking yeah. to you because I've been wargaming for forever. For <laughs> yeah. I'm 40 years old now. I started pretty much when I was like when Rogue Trader came out in 40k, like nice. in, the, in the 80s and nice. stuff. Like I've been from the very start. Yeah, like all types, fantasy, um, historic, sci-fi, everything. And um, the one thing that's always bugged me about wargaming is scalability. Yeah, and how that. There's very much a case of you have one scale and that's it. And then it doesn't go very well whenever they start putting in uh, bigger sets of units and stuff yep. like that. And so when you said it was scalable, I was just like, winner. Well, let me explain. Uh, okay. The one reason we found, um, I mean, I am a 40K lover. Yep. Um, have been since I was younger, very young. My brother got me into it when I was like seven. Um, so that was like second edition. Right, okay. So really early in there and the reason why it doesn't work when you try and either scale it down to skirmish and that's why you have like things like kill team and scaling it up you get loads of different types of units added on is because they're, they're a lot of games are focused on the unit base so you buy a unit and they have to stay as a blob whereas being ex-military if we came under fire the section would distribute um, so you don't come under all you're not all an easy target so within the game that in game law they're called attachments so every model counts as an individual attachment as is, but they can also join up in their data sheet. They have what's called an attachment type. If they share that type, if they're within two inches, they count as also a single attachment of now many more models. Okay. Splitting up if you come under fire is tactically advantageous. An attachment can only shoot or attack at one attachment. So if you're coming in under heavy fire, scatter, because they can only shoot with one of you. But then you lose certain bonuses for being blobbed up. If you want to take out a tank, if you're going to get certain bonuses for being blobbed up, that's on you. The game works very similar to chess in the fact that you can play the same game multiple times in a row, but it's going to be a different game because in chess, if you move a different pawn instead of another, like in your knight, that's going to change on how your opponent moves. So is this activations, how does it work? Is it, is it like, is it alternate activations or is it one side, other side? So one side the other side um all the movement is done in the same phase so it's a game it's a game done on turns you have uh, obviously turn one turn two turn three they're all the same turns but the phases in the game work differently to others so what you've got um you always roll for priority priority is going to tell you who goes first in said turn okay the priority player does not choose who goes first you won you go first for that turn tough the way our game works, and I can guarantee so it can you... it can change each turn? X, absolutely. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and I can guarantee you the guys playing over there have already wanted to go second and lose priority. Because how the phases work is there the main three phases, there are others, but you've got movement, shooting or ballistic, and combat. You, If you want priority, you don't do all three at once, and then, then it's mine. You move, then I move. You shoot, then I shoot. You then do combat, close combat, and then I do my close combat. Right, okay. So if you go first and you move into a good position to shoot my guys, I am well within my power to move in my movement phase to move my guys into cover. 
All right, so it's not like it's it's not like a 40k where it's like I do all my movement, I do my shooting, and then I do my charger. No. It's moving, that's moving. Not moving. How it, yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. So going second is beneficial because if they move, um, if they move out in the open, one, like I said, you can swing and hide behind cover, but also with shooting you can then move into a better position to shoot or attack them because of you going second. But sometimes you, want to, you need to shoot them and, and get their numbers down, so you want to shoot first. Right. So it all depends on how you're playing, how the turns are looking, depending on if you want to go first or second. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. and that's how it's scalable as well. So everything is between every player. Um, and so far, how many factions have you got? So we've got five planned already. Um, so. General humans, everybody loves a human. A lot of us don't. A lot of us like going for other alien races. Uh, but we've tried to make the human guys look pretty cool. Uh, the armor we've invented is usable, if you will. I love ornate styles of armor, but coming from a military background, sometimes I look at them, I'm just like, that ain't gonna work on a battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, we have our alien force, one of them called the Greys, uh, spelt with an A, because they're named by the Americans. Um, and they are based on the Roswell Greys, because um, we love that style of alien, so does everyone. Yep. You've got your lovely bug faction, everybody loves a bug faction, named the Haraka. Yep. You've got your ethereal sort of specialist elite force uh, or faction called the Watchers. Um, lower model count, stronger fellas. Um, and then a human-made sort of robot faction that's defected, if you will, they're not AI. Um, just very intelligent programming that can go wrong because of solar flares or whatever happens in the universe yep. called the Talus. Those are the five planned factions at the moment. We've got a couple more in, uh, well, in our minds ready for the future if all this kicks off and goes well. Uh, what about lore and stuff like that? Have you got yourself a good rich background for it? Absolutely. We're yep. both massive science fiction nerds. Uh, we know that with a game as lovely as the models are, people want to know lore. They want to know the history, they want to know the future, they want to know why their faction may be good at close combat versus just, oh, that's just how we designed it. Yeah. So if you do pop to the website, what you're going to find is it's very lore heavy. There's a load of coming soon pages because we're going to slowly drip feed you those over time. Um, but there's a huge timeline uh, that explains leading up to modern day, obviously. Yeah. Um, they have all color coded. So all of our five factions have colors uh, donating to them. Humans, it's a red. Greys, it's like a purpley pink. Watches, it's a blue. Harakas, it's a nice, like, like bug green. Yeah. So next to part on the timeline, if it's got the symbol and the color of that faction, that for the timeline is genuinely that faction's main focus. Right, okay. Um, and then what we've got is other pages. We've got read here, click more, and that will open up. Even from the timeline, you've got a little blurb, read more, and it will bring up a larger page explaining more in depth about what's happening at that point in time. And the Kickstarter, when's it coming out? We're just saying winter. We want October, um, but we understand that no plan survives really as much as you want it to. Um, so that's why we are on. having to say winter. <laughs> yes, yeah. But no. So winter, we're potentially looking at um, uh, this. Um, is there, with, how many sort of sort of type of variants are we going to have? So, what are you thinking about sort of when you're releasing the Kickstarter? Like, how many units will each faction have? So, the starter boxes that we're going to have released in the for the Kickstarter, 
Um, general per army, it's, it's going to be very limited at first. Yep. Um, you're going to find about four, maybe five different types in a starter box for the armies. Mm -hmm. um, we have all of their like intelligence records planned for all armies. Right. Um, so there's well over 80 different types of, well, attachments that you can choose from. Um, some armies have more infantry, some armies have more vehicles. It all depends on the type. Um, but in the boxes, the best thing about them is what we're aiming for is the five factions have their like starter box army. When you buy a starter box, you get to choose. So if you don't like the greys, but you really want humans and then the Haraka, choose that starter box. So you're going to have like 10 different start, like variations of starter box. Uh, but you are looking at the scope. We've already planned way more different types of models coming out. They look really good. They're really Thank you. good. Um, and the idea of scalability and having sort of effect, it's not, it is alternate actions yeah. in a way, isn't yeah. it? Uh, uh, it's I like more, that. yeah, it's reactive on the way that because you move, then I move, I'm just reacting normally in a game sense to where you've moved. Yeah. So it's it's out of turn. It's it's in turn kind of thing. Yeah. So you've got to think about it, I suppose, because if you're moving, you're gonna go right. If I move, they are probably gonna to react to my movement. Yeah. So you've got to sort of maybe bring that into account. So it is like chess. You've got to sort of kind of lure them into traps. Absolutely. And, like and even then, you've got to also think on your feet because if they have a big blob and you think, perfect, I'm surrounding them, I'm gonna take out 20 of their guys. But during their movement phase, they separate those that one attachment of 20 into five different size attachments, well then that's, that's messed with your plans. So then you've got to think on your feet. So you've got to change your overall plan to what they're doing as well, because again, attachments don't stay as a blob. They can separate at any stage of the game. And um, with regards to sort of uh, play testing and stuff, because obviously one of the big bugbears for a lot of 40K players yeah. is that, um, there's a lot of ambiguity within rules. There's also stuff that's just, just broken. Um, yeah. how, how have you sort of kind of worked around that? So rules-wise, um, they're all going to be available free on the website um, any like pretty soon, um, as well as the character sheets that we've got, or the intelligence records that we're playing with right now. So people will be able to go away and play test themselves. None of this behind-the-scenes play testing. We've done an awful lot of it ourselves, but we're not a million people all playing through all of the inevitable like or impossible number of like variations yeah yeah we've got certain wording on the rules the first bit on the rules on the website uh, and any rule page will say rule word specifics so certain words will be bold certain words will be capitalized certain words will have chevrons next to them quotation marks dashes they will confer to different types of rules so you can have four words all the same words in line if they're written in a different way, they confer to either a special rule, a game rule, a general rule, or a model type. That really helps us make sure that you know what we mean. Um, we're also massive on, we, well, we hate ambiguity. So we use the same terminology. A lot of games we notice, like, try and make things cooler. So when you kill a model, it will say, and this model is then annihilated. But in, in another part of the rule, it will say, and then remove the model from the tabletop. So is there a difference between when a model gets yeah, annihilated yeah, yeah. or removed? Yeah. We always use the same words yeah, yeah. to remove ambiguity. The way the words are, the way the words rules are written can seem a little bit wordy, but that's because we just want to get rid of that ambiguity. Yeah, we really dislike that in rules. We've read through many different types of rules. Sometimes picking up a game even from like an expo like this, 
we get home and it's like, this game's fun, but I think we're playing it right. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, I hope we are, because it's good this way. If it's different, then I'm worried. Um, so with the rules being free, with memberships and subscribing on the website, what it does mean on the forum under like a general rules or area, if people do consistently find issues with a certain part, we'll send everyone an email saying, hey, the rule wasn't broken, but we did, we did understand it needed to be rewritten and worded slightly differently. So here's an email with what it used to look like and it, how it is now. Redownload the PDF, crack on. Okay, yeah, because I think that's a massive thing. It's like, um, especially in 40K, it's like you, you buy rules and then they're updated. Quite, and then yeah. it just like, they're, they're always somebody finding I ain't got I ain't got that level of like yeah. pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I can't it, do it's it. It's sort of, you know, yeah. frustrating. I yeah. think a lot of people And are. it leaves you more money to buy the models. Yeah, <laughs> It's exactly. like, because I like our models. Yeah, 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 that's it. <laughs> cool. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank oh, you very much. No worries. Um, so, Kickstarter in the winter, hopefully. That's what we're hoping for. Keep, That's what we're really aiming for. Keep an eye out for War yes. and Terror, winter time this year. Check it out. Yes. Hi, everyone. This is Peter V. Allison for Geek Pride, coming to you from the UK Game Deck World 2022. And I'm with Mate Matthias Hockey. Yeah. Creator Hi. of Simbaroon. One of the creators of Simbaroon, yes. But I have the, the great pleasure of being the brand manager and the editor-in-chief, you can say, and I'm responsible for the setting and adventures and such, yeah. yeah Simbaroon was very different to other role-playing games out there. I mean, it was a very dark, grim, grounded setting compared to other, like, typical high fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah and you can say that. Yeah, I mean, when did the idea for Simbaroon come to the head? What was kind of the catalyst? Oh. I've been at it making games since, you know, the last millennium, you know, before the, the, the shift to the late 1900s. So, uh, and we've always had the design idea that we, we want to create the games we like to play. So, much of the elements that you will find in Symbrom, in the Symbrom setting, are stuff that we developed while playing fantasy games yeah so and when it comes to the specifics of the Simbrum setting it's it sort of built on an old Swedish role-playing game that's called Drakar och Demoner Dragons and Demons so and, and an old campaign setting for that in which we you know grow up grew up playing a lot and it's always hard to pinpoint exactly sources of inspiration so but if I, if, if, if I had to highlight one of them in particular, it would probably be uh, Dark or the Moner, the Swedish classic role-playing game. Yeah, there's a feel like there's a lot of kind of um, Swedish folklore embedded within the game. So that that uh, tone, tonally. Not, yeah, not necessarily Swedish, but Germanic, yeah. nor, Northern Europe. Yeah, that's definitely so. Yeah, I mean, um, also one thing I really like the game is like you know, the themes are kind of baked into the mechanics. Oh yeah, that's something that we really strive for, and in this case, pride ourselves with. Yeah. That we, I think, we hit uh, a really nice. We find a, found a really nice way to tie the setting and the mechanics together in the corruption mechanics mainly. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. yeah that, that that's that's you know what, what insanity is for Call of Cthulhu or yeah. Yeah. That 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 piece of mechanic that really anchors the, the dice rolls and the challenges in the, the specific game setting. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think in many ways, like the mechanics of the game could only be really used to Simbaru. And yeah. that's telling in that um, it's the first hundred pages of the book is purely setting information. Oh yeah, uh, that is also. I know there are people who like to read the Simbaru core book yeah. from the back because they are so used to starting with the mechanics and such. Yeah. Uh, but to us as a team of designers, the setting has always come first. When it comes to role-playing games as opposed to board games or whatnot, the rules are really there to put the story into motion. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the rules are catering to the story rather than the other way around. So it felt really important for us to, to lead with the setting. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then like I remember one of the big things is like you've know, got the multi-part campaign series. Oh yeah. Uh, Thrones of Thrones. I mean that's seven. Oh, it's, it's going to be six books. I'm six, currently six. writing the final one. I'm like about ninety percent through. Oh, well, I mean that is an epic. I mean. Oh yeah. At what point did you kind of realize you what you're going to? This is a very good question, and I ask it myself quite often, especially now that I'm I'm nearing the finish line. Uh, it was we like to design our games around a plot or a, a narrative structure that puts the setting in motion so to speak yeah. that, that makes it uh, live on its own you, you, when, when you read the Simbaron core book you should feel like stuff is actually going on in that that world between your readings. So you put the book down, stuff continues to happen in that setting, and then you pick it back up and you visit the setting again and so on. Uh, so designing the game around a campaign, you don't have to play the campaign yeah. to enjoy Simbarum, but I believe that the, the Monster Codex, the, the core book, the advanced player's guide, the, the, you know, the rules stuff. Yeah really benefits from, from having that sense of what kind of story is supposed to be told by using these rules or guidelines or well, whatever. I mean, when I've been reading the real books, it feels like this is a world in motion. Yeah, it doesn't feel thanks. static. A world in motion, that's what I was trying to say, but with <laughs> much more words. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, it feels yeah. like a snapshot mm. of what's going on, and but in five minutes, five days, five mm. weeks, it could be quite different. Oh, yeah. And I mean, one of the latest releases for Simbroom is the um, 5e edition. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in America, but also here in Europe, often when we go to conventions, we get these a little bit sad game masters coming up to us saying that, I love this game, I love this setting, I want to play it, but my players don't want to play anything but 5e. Really? So that, that what that's what gave us the idea initially. And then we started thinking about it, and yeah, uh, the Simbrum original game line will continue to lead the development. Oh, nice. But seeing the, the early reception, because the game uh, Ruins of Simbrum 5e, it releases next week on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, but we have uh, already sent it to backers. And not being a 5e player myself, really, 
I have had sort of a hard time being the project lead for it because I can't really judge how good is this. But now that backers are starting to receive it, the response has been fantastic. Uh, except from some Symbarum players yeah. that says that this is not Symbarum. Yeah. And it shouldn't be. Yeah. No. Why? Because it, it's supposed to cater to a different kind of taste when it comes to... It, it is still much more gritty and deadly and dark and lore heavy than your typical 5e game. I would say, yeah. but it, it's far from what being what Simurum is. Absolutely, yeah. And so, like you said, you need a finishing sixth volume of Throne of Thorns. Yeah. What's next? When you, where do you go from What's here? What's next? You know, uh, some R and R, I would say. Some well-earned R and R. No, we have actually quite a lot on the, on the on the stove. Simmering at the moment. Can you say? Uh, I can say a little bit. Uh, there, we, we will keep on releasing. You know, we 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 quite like these hardback books. Yeah. Meaty ones with a little bit of lore and a little bit of adventure and a little bit of setting that makes makes it possible for the game master to, you know, homebrew scenarios or whatnot, even campaigns. So you will see one to two of these in the years to come, yeah. uh, focusing on different parts of the setting that are still to be you know, developed and examined in, in detail. Uh, and the first one will probably be set in the town of Agrella, uh, which is you know, the high seat of the Ordo Magica. It's the high seat of Archduchess Esmeralda. Yeah. For some of you, this doesn't mean anything. I know that. but. Read the Simbarum rulebook, it'll tell you everything. <laughs> those of you who play Simbarum, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, and uh, yeah. But more than that, I cannot reveal at the moment. Okay. It's, it's a lot of hush-hush. Okay. And also today, you know, uh, being a part of Free League, yeah. we have quite a lot of games to cater to, a lot of brands to keep alive and keep going. And we are super fond of the mole, so we have to share the love. Yes. A little bit for Symbarum, some for Coriolis and Tales from the Loop and Alien and so on. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the things with the um, Free League games is that they are beautiful. They are really Thanks. beautiful to look at. Yeah, we, we are blessed, I would say, by having very good in-house artists that are also actually co-owners. Yeah. So they are... They can't like run away do other stuff for someone else. Uh, we have really good professional layout artists as well. So yeah, being a writer and, and game designer for Free League is yeah, it's a luxury. Yeah, having so good co-workers. You oh know. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like also the art is kind of very distinctive for each book. It doesn't feel yeah. like oh, it's this artist doing something else. No, oh, yeah. it's mm. completely distinctive art style. Mm. That's key to the game, and yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely fantastic games. Well, Matthias, thank you very much for your time. It's been thank a pleasure you. speaking to you. Yeah. Take care, everyone, and see you next time. Hey everybody, Matt Geary here for Geek Pride at UKGE at the Geek and Sun stand. We're back four years later with Martin. Hello. Hi. Hello. So, Martin, it's been a long time. I've not Hi, seen it's been yeah. I've missed you. Well, I miss you too, mate. It's good to see you, actually, with the, with the mic yeah, and doing your stuff. Everybody else has got their thing. It's, it's good to be back. It really is. Um, so, 
what's been going on? What have you been up to? I see, I've seen Kickstarters. I've seen you've been keep keeping yourself busy. What's new? What's going on? Obviously, you know our bespoke line of the tables because you've got one of us, the Dennis. It's the most beautiful thing I I I, I own. I honestly like when you brought that thing, when you brought that table to me. I've never been so emotional. My ex got jealous because I showed more attention to that table. I feel but, guilty now. <laughs> you should because she's an ex. But it's like I, I she got really annoyed at me because it's like me just hugging this thing and stuff, and she's just like. You never do that to me, and I'm just like, it's so oh. beautiful, so beautiful, <laughs> beautiful table. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. So our, our lineup of uh, bespoke tables grew a bit by extra addition, which is the Virgo table, which is the top-notch table, the ultimate gaming table. This one here. The, the brown one over oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in it's the immense. walnut color. It's completely different approach to design of a table. Okay. So it is dining and gaming table, but it's leaning towards more as a gaming, proper gaming table, like Warhammer, miniature RPG gaming style, yeah, yeah. when the table is designed around player stations. So here, when we designed the table, what we had in mind, it was just comfort of individual players. So when we designed the table, we rather built the table around six or eight stations. Instead of like you give us the exact dimensions of your space and then we build a table to fit in the, in the space. Right. Where here is a specific size to give the comfort to players. Then you've got individual player stations so you can open up for players. They can post their miniatures, their stuff inside of a table. They, 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 there's a special gate we can just secure it. And, uh, and it's built with all the other stuff we got in our table. So like sound systems, LED lighting and electric uh, adjustable systems to adjust your depth of the, of the oh. game surface. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's loads it's with loads of options. So busy, are you busy? I am, and Good. our team is as well. <laughs> we we grew, yeah, we grew. <laughs> Terry is our new addition to our team as yeah, well. Yeah, we were going to get the new. We were going to get them. So Terry, <laughs> sorry, Terry. <laughs> Terry, so how, how is it? How, how is your first what six months you've been here? Uh, so, yeah, since February. February. Okay. And I have to say, it feels like compared to where we used to work, it feels like I'm working at Google. <laughs> I'm very well looked after. We've got a lovely place where we work. Yep. All the gear we need, big monitors. When I first went in, they had two monitors. I didn't turn it on for a while, and they had to come in and encourage me to use the second monitor. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I used to have like a little computer like this. He's like, we've got monitors, we've got this, we've got that. And yeah, so now I'm like flicking between so screens. What's your role? What are you, what are you doing? You pimping, their, you pimping their ride? Are you trying to sort of sell their stuff? Sell their stuff, basically, yeah. So I look after well, the... Well, it sells itself, doesn't it? It does. It does, actually, yeah. yeah. So my job's pretty easy. <laughs> but I, I look after the info a gig it's a mailbox right. so anything that comes in there that comes to me and then I send it on to where it's got to go all the sales stuff I try and look after and uh, just try and keep it because we got loads since they've as I understand the last couple of years it's gone mad for them so they were getting we get a lot of emails so I'm the guy that's trying to keep on top of that and keep the service going well right okay. so that's what I'm so I don't have to yeah so my, <laughs> so my I can sit back and relax <laughs> just a bit so hi, um, I'll keep you too long because I appreciate you're very busy, which no is worries. good to hear, but um, how, how, how did COVID affect you guys and stuff? How was that sort of for um, business? During the COVID, yeah. we, uh, we introduced our Kickstarter tables. Yeah, yeah. So it went through the roof, yeah. basically. I think there was a time when people actually started to focus on more on uh, refurbishing their houses, yeah. putting new furniture, because you know, you couldn't travel. 
you couldn't go anywhere uh, with the lockdown and stuff. So you, you started to focus around, you know, what you've got in your house. So the the tables we introduced, they just, like I said, went through the roof, and uh, that's how uh, we are focused more on the Kickstarter lines, yeah, along with with, with our custom table line yeah, as well. Course. But we could then transfer some of the features into uh, streamlined tables to uh, have good tables without any compromise for a wider audience. Is this the Megan? Yeah, the Megan, yeah. Then we've got a the Bristol, yeah. uh, which uh, we introduced last year into the Kickstarter, and the Archie, which is a completely madness in, in uh, modularity and stuff. Uh, well, we, we, we done our Kickstarter a few months ago. Okay, brilliant, very good. Uh, anything, anything new coming up? Mate, it's a lot new. <laughs> the last four years, we're just one more. Would you like to? <laughs> yeah, we have TV builds in in the, in the coffee tables. We have we can build TVs in in, in Honestly, our like, tables. I'm not just saying this because I got one, but they are the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I, they're so well made and they're just so so pretty. I think the main the main thing you can tell about this. It's quality across all range of uh, ranges of uh, of our furniture. This is what we stand for. This is what we came from because we started with with bespoke, uh, custom built tables made to spec, and we wanted to convey these values into other lines. We will just introduce to wider public. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we, that's uh, what we stand for. And you've got one on Kickstarter at this moment in time? Uh, no, the, it's, it's, it's been on the Kickstarter. This okay. is the all to okay, roll up. Right. But it's now on a, on a late pledge and pledge manager phase. Okay. So you can you, people can still join in. Uh, and then on the game founded, it's another table called Bristol uh, Plus, which is nice, uh, uh, nice size table and quite simple in design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful, beautiful things, um, and um, it's really good seeing you. Really good. I'm good to be really back. chuffed to be mate. Yeah, 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 man. To see you. So thank you very much, Terry. You'll be here for me at some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the video when it gets done. But I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you later. Hi everyone. This is Peter Ray Allison for Geek Pride, coming to you from UK Games Expo 2022, and I'm with Pete Ward. Hello. Ward, rebellion unplugged. Yep. Pete, how's it been? It's been great. It's been great to be back here. It's been a while since we've been at UK Games Expo, so it's nice to be here, everyone to be around. You know, it's yeah. been a long time. Yeah, and I mean, we're obviously we're talking about Sniper Elite, the board yes. game. Now, how did that come about? I mean, Sniper Elite is originally a video game. What was it like trans getting, making it into an actual tactile board game? Well, first of all, you had Duncan, the head of Rebellion Unplugged. He reached out to the designer, David Thompson, saying, we're looking to do something with the Sniper IP. Do you have any ideas of how you might do that as a board game? David Thompson, loads of experience developing games. He came back, he had a few ideas, one of them being a hidden movement game for one player playing as a sniper, other players trying to hunt him down. Duncan liked the sound of that, so said, yep, sounds good, let's go with it. David then reached out to his friend Roger Tankersley, who's like a hidden movement expert, and then it just progressed from there. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, Sniper Elite has a lot of, uh, the video game has a lot of, um, like, mechanics under the hood, as it were. Yeah. Now, kind of here, it's been, because it's very tactile, yeah. you have to kind of, like, lot of, how do you kind of streamline the whole process of, make, of kind of creating the Sniper Elite experience as a board game? Well, that mainly came down to David and Roger working on it from the design perspective. Um, they played a lot of the video game, they were really looking at what would work as a board game and what wouldn't. 
And the thing they really tacked onto was the stealth aspect is really interesting. And that risk of when you take a shot in Sniper Elite, sometimes you'll line up the perfect shot and it will just go wrong. Sometimes you'll make a bit too much noise. And they've tried to incorporate all of that into the board game. So it's basically, so keep the core aspects, ditch the kind of more superfluous ones, but just focus on what is Sniper Elite? There are, there are some things in Sniper Elite that you just can't get into the board game. You can't get the slow motion kill cams. It's just not going to work. <laughs> but you can get that stealth in there, so that's a good direction to nice. go. Nice. Now, I mean, creating a board game is no easy endeavor. So how long did it take to make the board game? So it came to Kickstarter two years ago. Uh, and obviously, just when the pandemic was hitting. Um, so that slowed things down a little bit. but. You know, every board game is an absolute labor of love from the designers, from the team who work on it. So I, it, it's, it's just been, yeah. Yeah, I mean, did the pandemic have any impact on the production and manufacturing of the board game? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of publishers are still seeing that it is happening. Like, you know, you, every so often you might hear that one of the factories you're working with have gone into lockdown. So that can add who knows how long to schedules. Then you've also got things like the shipping crisis that we had last year. Lots of things that can weigh in to just make a task where it should have taken this amount of time. Unfortunately, it's now taken this yeah. long. And also, you released the um, role-playing game as well, which is Tartarus Gate. Yep. Can you tell me about that, please? So it's a magazine format role-playing game. So the idea is that the GM gets the magazine. They can take it to their game night, open it up, pass the players everything that they need to play the game and just get straight into it. Each issue is going to be giving three, advent three, three play sessions. So about nine hours total playing through the game. And this is like just everything in a single magazine format? Absolutely everything is there that you need. The rule sheet is four pages, so it's super easy to actually learn how to play and get rolling with it. You can give the players the handouts they, you need, uh, each of them need. You've got your GM's handbook to give you everything you need to run the game. All of the handouts are also available just to download online. So if you were trying to play it remotely, that's no problem at all. Oh, nice. So it's just all there, ready to go. So yeah. That's brilliant. And I mean, are these games ready to go now? Are they going to be released soon? Tartarus Gate is out now. Excellent. And there's going to be more Adventure Presents coming in the future. Probably next issue is coming in 2023. Okay, and uh, Sniper Elite is out now? Or is Sniper that... Elite, UK's retail release was last Tuesday. So it's, it is out now in the UK. Rest of the world in the US, it's coming 14th of June. Okay, and what you got planned? Obviously, these are just two games. Rebellion plugs. Oh, we've Might got a lot more stuff planned, but we can. There's only so much I can mention. I can mention uh, we've got a reprint of Ian Livingston's Judge Dredd coming later oh, this year. Oh, that was a great game. So, bring back, bring back the classic. But it's one that we've been able to revisit. Duncan's worked on the development of it, so adding some new features. Can't delve too far into it, but there's some exciting new stuff, so that players who remember the old game will have the experience they remember, but also new things to dig their teeth into. So basically, keep the same feed, but with the modern mechanics and the modern mindset, yeah. that's fantastic. And when can we expect that? We're looking at October for that, that one. That soon? Yeah. Wow, that is not long. Well, Pete, thank you very much for your time today. Um, have a great UK Games Expo. You too. See Thanks you everybody. Back here, here for Geek Pride at UK Games Expo 2022. And I'm here with Rob from Dice Sports. Hi. So it's been four years, Rob. Four years since we saw you no, last. That really has flown, hasn't it? <laughs> yes, it has. Um, so how's your, how's your expo going? Uh, it's all right. I've ended up doing this one on my own. 
which is a bit of a stress. And uh, the guy that normally does the show with me is actually getting married tomorrow and I'm a groomsman at his wedding. So <laughs> I've got somebody else covering my stand tomorrow for the busiest day, but it's looking like we are any stock left anyway, so happy days. So no drinking tonight? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I said that yesterday, I was walking around, I'm like, I'm really thirsty all the time and I keep drinking things that aren't beer and it's not doing anything. <laughs> I'm just, so then I went and had a beer, see if that worked. It was, it, it, it was a mo moderate improvement, but yeah, it's. Uh, I've just absolutely just like yes, yesterday when we were unpacking and stuff. It's so so hot in here. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, overall, all right, really positive. Generally, really positive. Love demo inflicts because people are always. It's a nice fun one to uh, nice fun one to show off. It really people is. People can get into it. People it really can get is. into it really quick, so you can. They can be left to their own devices a little bit, so you can kind of interact with some other people around and stuff so yeah well, this is the Lots game people getting very this is, excited this is the game that um when we went when we came four years ago it was just like that's that's amazing you know we were just sort of like it it had something different it just had something it's just like yeah it's unique isn't it yeah really unique's definitely the word and um yeah and i i went straight out and uh, i backed the kickstarter pretty much straight after that very very much appreciated sorry for the delay <laughs> so um on, on that note on that note on that note <laughs> So, um, the chaps behind you, we, we had Mark and Jared on the podcast, and um, we were talking about sort of their Kickstarters and stuff, and I'm always quite interested in sort of like finding out what the score is with people on Kickstarters. Just general logistics. Yeah, and um, then I said, you know, um, oh, I've got, a, I've got a Kickstarter coming in, it's called Airflix, it, we, we, we tested it at uh, Games Expo um, ages ago, it's not turned up yet. I was, you know, I wasn't sort of being an asshole, but I was kind of going, you know, um, it's like, what, what the hell's going on? And he basically said to me, he says, look, man, you know, there's a lot more behind the scenes that you don't see. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of uh, extra yeah. money. Kickstarters, a as, a, as I was saying to you earlier on, the thing, the thing with the Kickstarters is that, like, normally products just exist and the first thing anybody knows about something existing is when it's already finished and I think with Airflix we went to Kickstarter with it quite early in the procedure and I wanted to use the Kickstarter to um, the Kickstarter funds to just bring in loads of extra sculpts and stuff so we ended up basically throwing a load of money into the basically the entire Kickstarter money went into extra sculpts and extra maps and everything like that so I was like we're just going to build this into a brand um, but then we hit just problem after problem with it uh, we did an issue with the mats, an issue with the discs. The biggest one was the discs because the um, he's actually I've just got a, bat, a batch back of the uh, the stuff that he was using originally, which is like cast acrylic. But when we did the when we did the bases the first time around, he used uh, I think it's, is it extruded? Do you know the difference? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so extruded acrylic apparently has a lower melt temperature. So when he put the laser through the disc, the edge underneath had a little rim. So when you try to flick it, it just goes, Bing! <laughs> and that's uh, yeah. So that was. How many discs was that? It was a lot. It was uh, 6,000, something like that. So they all had to be individually. I, I gave them back to him and he had them, um, he had them filed down, and then, but they still weren't working. So we had to individually basically file and test every single disc. So it was like 200 man hours or something to get the, uh, the disc into, into, into shape to move. Uh, East Star messed up the, the mat order. Uh, the first time around with the color, they replaced it. Then they got the quantities wrong, which we've only just found out like recently. Then they've, just, they've, just done, they've, they've corrected it free of charge, which is, which is nice. But um, we've had that. We had the company that was doing the casting stop casting. Uh, so we had to switch companies and get all new molds made. So it's just been one after the just, other. just one chaos after another chaos at the same and time as everything else in the world that everybody else is having to deal with, like your COVIDs and your 
Uh, what else did we have? Brexit, COVID. So Brexit affected their costs. Monkey parks. <laughs> yeah, so it's just, and then, and then we found ourselves in a situation where because we'd not been able to really go to Kickstarter with anything new, because we'd got outstanding projects, we'd already pumped money into other projects and bank, bank balance was not looking particularly sharp. And then escalating shipping costs meant that we couldn't afford to ship it. So basically what we've been doing is doing the other stuff that we do in the business, which is uh, prototyping, manufacturing. Uh, we do like the stand furniture and all that kind of stuff. And using the money from that to basically make up the difference in the in the shipping, so that because 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 Airflix was already very late, I really didn't want to pass any any costs at all onto the backers because it's so late. So basically, I've, I've just been making the money to to cover the extra between the two projects that I've got. It's about an extra twenty grand we've had to come up with to do the uh, to do the shipping. So yeah. So uh, what <laughs> is there anything you would have done that, knowing what you know now? I appreciate you wouldn't have uh, known about the issues and stuff, but is there anything you might have done differently? Is there anything you would have sort of, you know, looking back on it, you're going, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have done that. I might not have done that. I'd, I would have probably. I would like to have been. I'd, I'd, I always, I always say after, after, because I did something similar with Exodus where I kind of got it to a point, and I've always had this idea in my head of, you know, Kickstarter used to be something where people would. Um, come with a project that was kind of half finished and say like, hey, this is this thing that I'm intending to make. If you guys give me money, I'm going to make this thing. So I know that it doesn't work like that anymore. And essentially you've got like, a lot of people say, it's essentially it's a pre-order system because people are coming with yeah. complete projects. What I like to do is come with a project that looks complete, but then still use the Kickstarter money to actually de develop it and make it a bigger thing than it was at the point that we put it onto Kickstarter. Yeah. And I did that with both of these projects. And in hindsight, because of the issues, it's, it's, it's caused me a lot of problems. And I think that, I really am going to have to start going to Kickstarter with things that are, in essence, complete at the time that, at the time that we do it, so we can we can just roll straight into manufacturing. So that's it. Like um, I've always assumed, you know, I, I appreciate, I understand that's what Kickstarter is. But when I bought board games, it's like I'm, ex it, it's a it's a completed game that just needs produced effectively. The yeah, just, they, they just need to hit print. It's, it's, yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's just like this is the game because like when we saw this. Uh, it looks like wow, well, this is a, this is a full game. It's like that, and then it's just like all they need to do is press the print button and. You know. See, one of the things is I'm a graphic designer, and I tend to make when I'm when I'm doing prototypes, I make my prototypes look like finished games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even when I've got something that's quite early, because yeah, yeah. I, I just make it look pretty well. Just uh, incidentally, while I'm working on it, so so yeah, like yeah. things always sort of look further along than they really are, yeah, which yeah, yeah. you know for. In, in, in terms of presenting it to people somewhere like this or, or on a Kickstarter, it's quite a nice thing, but... Are you fully fulfilled now, or...? No, we've still got... Um, not many, I think there's about, there's about 50 that still need to go out that are in quite obscure shipping locations that are now round about like 70, 80 pounds or something to ship to, so... Like, yeah, some of, the, some, of the, some of the more remote ones. We've got, there's, there's a few American ones on there that were, um, I think, colour uh, paint, painted sets because we, had, we, we changed painter as well part way through because there, there was a drama with that as well. But yeah. <laughs> there was a drama with pretty much every aspect, so it's, uh, you know. Did you have the same problems with Exodus or? Uh, no, different ones. Um, I mean, Exodus, Exodus wasn't delayed as much as, um, as much as Flix was. But again, we've still we've still got the, um, the the last of the Exodus shipping to do, and it is literally a case at the moment of the shipping is like tens of thousands of pounds more than than it was going to be. So like like the stuff that we shipped into um, like Germany, for example, um, 
we had that was one one of the interesting ones that we had as well because it was it was the Brexit it was actually a Brexit uh, COVID combo because it was when the uh, when the the uh, VAT rules were going to change so everybody was trying to get stuff out before uh, before Christmas yeah, yeah. and we got all of Germany packed and on a pallet to drop off at our local DHL depot and the following day they closed the border uh, so we ended up unpacking all that stuff and just reallocating and sending it to UK backers because it was something while the world was all over the place it was the only thing that we could do to actually move stuff out so. It's just been just been in place, really. So, but it's, we we will get there, and I'm confident that we have uh, we we should be done in about I would say six weeks to to finish absolutely everything, just with like knowing unless shipping jumps again by another you know forty percent or something ridiculous. Obviously, it's been um, it's been a quite a stressful time for you, and I to be honest, I felt bad. Um, you know, I'm generally quite a patient person and stuff, but I was just like I was just like. Oh, it's been four years now. What's taking so long and stuff? But it's like, do you, would has it put you off putting stuff on Kickstarter? Because there has been like I was watching, I was reading some of the comments, and some people have just been assholes and stuff. You know, there wasn't. Yeah, but it's, it's it, always with Kickstarter. There's a there's a there's a vocal there's a vocal minority, and for every person that's like a bit arsy on the Kickstarter, there's like six, seven people that'll just immediately message me after and go, hey, that guy's being an absolute, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, there's there's way more support than there is negativity, even, even for a project that's like trailing on for as long as, as long as Airflix has ended up yeah, trailing yeah. on for. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not discouraged from using, from using Kickstarter, um, but I think, like I say, we're just gonna be Moving forwards, we're going to be doing um, going to Kickstarter with things that are basically finished. Uh, the other thing is that we've been like s since we did this Kickstarter, we've been we've been manufacturing for um, for other companies. Okay. So like obviously you said you had Mark uh, Mark on the show. I don't yeah. know if you mentioned because we we basically manufactured like Pocket Landship Kickstarter. We uh, we manufactured Pocket Landship uh, and sent it out to him. I think it was like most of the Kickstarters that we manufacture for other for other people have um, have, have got out of the doors. On, on time, so like we, we, I, I'm in a different position now. When I when I when I did this game, I, it was me in my kitchen, uh, right, okay. and and now uh, I've got a I've got a company and stuff. And but it's, it, I can't. I've been kind of siphoning bits off and pulling people in it as much as I can do under uh, current circumstances. But like moving forwards, we've got a we've got a factory and a, and a full staff. So if we're going with a complete product and manufacturing capability, yeah. theoretically we can like as soon as a Kickstarter hits funding goal, we can just away we go because that's what we've been doing for other, for everybody else yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just been really frustrating not being able to do it for ourselves because <laughs> other like other other stuff's been tied up like other other elements like oh yeah we can get all the cards stock in the boxes and whatnot because we're just going to do that in-house but like the minis have been held up or the discs have been held up or the yeah it's, it is such a beautiful game though man like um like i i, I love it like um beautiful minis just the, the mechanics are amazing just such a thank you very much it's just it is such a shame you've had so many problems with it and stuff because you know, I've I've still got a lot. Of, like when I come down and I do shows like this, the response to it's always absolutely amazing, yeah, yeah. and everybody loves it, and we always sell out of everything that we bring down with us. So it's always like, yep, yeah, this is brilliant. Uh, and I think that long term, like we've, we've got, I've got a lot of plans for doing things like tournaments, and and yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think that the, 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 you'll you'll get it here. A lot of people will walk past and assume. I think it's the, the fact that there's a hex on there. Nobody assumes that it's a, that it's a dexterity game because yeah, people yeah. assume that the hex is a movement. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's it's one of those games where I think if people see it being played and see it being played competitively by people that actually like know what they're doing, 
it'll really get across what it is and I think it'll it'll be like the next time we come back with any Airflix stuff it's going to be much bigger. See I think this would work really well competitively. Like I think this will do really well competitively. I've, I've, I've designed something. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and it's a, uh, I've called it the Dice Sports Mobile Arena. Right. And it's basically a, uh, it's a camera rail with a camera above that sits above the, the cube that we run the game on, a big screen at the back, and like a little sponsor banner thing that goes around the outside, and then, then chairs go around the outside. So it's like a, and then it's got all uh, lights and stuff so people can come out. And Amazing. we've got an idea for having like championship belts. And yeah, like, yeah, so man. Gonna that, be a, that sounds really good. Such so a good that's, idea. That's, that's something I'm planning to do this year. So just. If we get if we get to that, that far, then uh, then yeah, it's going to be uh, that'll be that'll be tipping up at Expo next time we're here. Amazing. Okay, yeah, looking forward to that. So uh, before we go, is there anything? Obviously, this is nearly completed. Uh, is Exodus completed now? Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's it's just the last it's the last stragglers. The um, we had a we had some stuff for France that that went missing, and we had we had we had one pallet go missing when we were doing the original shipment that we've had to go back and do again. Uh, and then there's just some obscure ones that were uh, that were just very very expensive to ship. So <laughs> um, uh, what, what's next? What, what's on, what's on the? Well, this is the thing. I've been doing loads of stuff in the background while I've been waiting for waiting for other people to deliver things and whatnot. Um, so we've got a, we've we've done a um, a solid. It's, it's, it's mostly solitaire. It's solitaire cooperative. Um, World War Two SAS game. Oh, okay. So it's uh, like a very the much like the old you know commando style. Yeah. yeah so we've, we've we've got that. We've got Starflix, which is sci-fi version of, uh, yeah, yeah. of uh, Airflix, which is it's interesting. It's got some big um, kind of gunship, capital shipy kind of things in it, and they don't flick. They move around on the hexes, so you've got like two different games going on, and you're flicking around. Take my money. Little stuff flying Take around. Take my money. Yeah, and then I was just, I was I've decided I'm going to do the same with Flix, so we're going to put like a Lancaster in that moves by hex. So you've got you know like escort missions. So you've got you've basically just got to get the Lancaster that's like a you know flying fortress from one side to the other, and you just. Will that be compatible? Compatible. Yeah, compact. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have the ship, the the uh, the Lancaster, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's it. It's gonna be Lancaster and the stand, and the and the rule set, and you can just play and it's, and it's own, little, own little own little squad mode. <laughs> that's such a good yeah, idea. Yeah, so I think that'll be uh, that'll be really good fun such to do. Such a good idea. Uh, we've right. got a game called Schism, which I'm publishing for uh, a friend of mine, Chris. Um, which is it's about um, angels and demons uh, competing for the uh, for the souls of mortals. Um, which I'm going to be. I've, I'm, I've been. I've been keeping really tight-lipped on pretty much everything, just because I don't want to anger anybody that we've still got. Oh, no, kind of, yeah, you know. Like, say, it, is, it, is, it, is a, it is a small percentage. <laughs> it's a small percentage of people now, but I just. I've been keeping really kind of tight-lipped on everything. But we are. We're kind of good to go with three three projects pretty much immediately that are, that are much further along than either of these were when uh, when they hit kickstart the first time around so amazing and I, I very much hope man that you don't have any of the issues next time i appreciate you're going to probably have some but i hope it's, it goes well for you uh, if, it's, you if, if it goes if it goes this badly again i think that'll be it <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll, that'll be it for me you deserve it man you deserve it and, i don't just um, mean games i mean my time on this planet yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're done oh, God. <laughs> um but yeah thank you very much walk off into the sea like reggie perry oh, you probably don't remember reggie perry oh, God. <laughs> reggie perry <laughs> Uh, but I really appreciate your time, man, and explain everything. It's been great. Well, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an absolute grind of an experience. Yeah. But you know, I'm still 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 very happy to be part of the industry and yeah. dealing with the people that we're dealing with. And you know, I say generally, support's been absolutely amazing. And loads of people come up to us and tell us how much they love it. They've bought it, the Kickstarter backs, and things like that. So it's just yeah, it's, that all makes it worthwhile. So overall, c'est la vie. C'est la vie. That's it. Terrific. And on that bombshell, we'll leave it. I've been Mac here for uh, Geek Pride, uh, UK Games Expo 2022, uh, with Rob from Dice Sports. 
See you later. Hey everybody, Matt Geary here for uh, Geek Pride at UKGE. I'm here with James from Thunderbolt Games. Um, and uh, they're going to talk about their new game, Shadows in the Sun. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Shadows in the Sun. So basically you're playing as one of the four factions on Kelressa, where the sun What's is... What's Kelressa? Kelressa is the planet name. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's an inhabited uh, planet in a, in a star system long, far away, in a galaxy somewhere ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but your sun is being devoured and harvested by uh, giants floating space beings. And each round, I can't show you right now because it's back there, but each round the piece of the sun gets eaten away, which basically ticks down to the end of the game. Uh, and before the sun is eaten away, you want to take your people out into the galaxy, explore, and find new colony planets to settle those troops on. And when I say settle those troops on, they're not going to be very settled. They're going to fight each other because it's a war. So you're going to take your uh, troops to those planets. You're going to get them on those planets. You're going to build. Work. You're going to do, take workers there also uh, to build up the value, how valuable that planet is, and how much points it's worth at the end of the game, how much resource that planet generates, uh, and then try and dominate it with your troops, which you'll be doing with ground combat. Um, you're exploring uh, the galaxy, collecting resources, completing missions to get new crew, upgrade your ship, uh, and it's uh, basically um, a little space adventure where you're going around trying to dominate those planets on the outer, I don't want to say rim, but outer parts of space. Okay. Uh, with the new sun that actually works. Right, okay. Yeah. So this has been in development for seven years? So seven years, yeah. We start, I started in 2015. Uh, and that was, uh, back then it was called Defection, which people may we, know. We, we talked to you four years ago, was yes, it? Yes, we years did, ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We went to Kickstarter in 2020 with Defection. Um, it was during the pandemic and uh, my marketing budget wasn't as where it should have been, right. uh, but due to various reasons, job losses and things like that. Uh, but um, now we've got, we're rebuilding it. We took the time to, or I took the time to sort of deconstruct the game, take a lot of feedback from everyone on that as well. Uh, and rebuild it into what the game is. I mean, it still has a lot of the flavor of, of what Defection was, uh, and the mechanics and the characters and stuff are still in, the, in, in this game. Uh, but it's just sort of branched into this, this, I think it's gone in a very nice, uh, very good route for the game. So it's, it's, it's quite different from the original Defection, okay. but um, way, way, way more streamlined and structured. More streamlined than Defection was? Yes, yes, yes. So Defection was five years in development. It was pretty streamlined. I'm, but this one is, is taken what, where, where those mechanics got to and then just put them into a slightly different place in the game. Right. Uh, and now it's, uh, yeah, it, it sits really well where it is now. So, uh, so when does, when's it coming out? Uh, so we're aiming for a Kickstarter on March 23, so 2023. Um, You've got some nice stretch goals? It's all about stretch goals. We've got some nice stretch goals planned. We've got, uh, I mean, the, the base model, the base uh, game is going to have quite a lot of nice components in it. And, uh, we've got like a little moon uh, model and like the ship models and stuff and there's a little alien uh, tentacle thing model which is quite cool. Uh, so that's already in the base game but we have a lot of stretch goals going forward from that as well to really deluxify the, the game experience. Okay. And why should people buy this game over similar type games? So it does something that maybe uh, when you think of like these sci-fi, big sci-fi games like Twilight Imperium and Zia and various other games where you're sort of, especially Zia as well, with the pick up deliver element that this game has. Um, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of rules, a lot of big things that have to be known before you start the game. You know, the rule learning is quite steep for all those games. Also the time it takes to play those games is very, very long. Yeah. This is uh, a lot more condensed. Uh, you're, you, there's still a lot you can do, but everything's sort of um, 
the, 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 the way that the game runs is once you've done the first round, you're not going to be looking at the rule book again. So okay. it's one of those, you might have a few nuanced cases, but it's, it's pretty much everything's done for you then. So you're, you're, you're ready to go and you can do round and round and round the whole game. You're not going to be looking at the rule book unless you really, really have a, something happen that shouldn't happen. But um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot more, um, it's a lot less rules heavy than a lot of games of a similar of a similar ilk. What's the, what's the sort of kind of, uh, what, what are you looking for an average game? What are we looking at? So it's a, it's a two to four player and it's usually uh, around 90 to 150 minutes. On your first game, you could add about 10, 15% onto that because it's that learning curve yeah. at the start. But then, uh, yeah, so 90 to 150 minutes for a big sci-fi adventure is, is quite a good, uh, a good little uh, gem, I would, I would say, in comparison to the big ones that we've just spoken about. Okay, yeah. so uh, March 23rd, 2023. Yep. For the Kickstarter. Yep. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. It looks really good uh, currently. And this is obviously the um, the prototype for it. Yeah, so this is like half the prototype here. The main the main prototype's on the table over there. Um, so you can see it with all the models and, uh, and all the, f the final pieces on there. Um, so we, yeah, we've still got a bit of like, you know, uh, development to do on it for, for before. That's why it's in March. Uh, but it'll be fully fully developed and fully ready by March and ready to go. Um, when do you think you're going to have it all going well? When will people have it in their hands? Oh, do you know what? The, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Well, we haven't Don't underestimate it. No, that's it. <laughs> I have had so many games and they went, yeah, it'll be ready by Christmas. And then, yeah, it doesn't. One of the great things that I think, uh, well, an advantage for me that I have is I've got a, a, a guy, I'm not going to mention any names, but is a mentor that is, is very experienced in delivering these Kickstarter campaigns. And he's been advising me since I started. We're, we're very good friends. And um, yeah, he's, he's done a great job of making sure that I do make the right steps to make sure that you deliver on time and have all that planning done beforehand. So, uh, but we've still got a long time to get those, uh, those uh, manufacturing yeah. quotes and the fulfillment quotes in and make sure that we've got the time to do that. So I don't know, if it's 20, March 2023, you're usually around this sort of Eight to nine months, kind of mark from that yeah, yeah. from that date, doesn't it? So that would be a, a safer bet, but I don't. Yeah, we'll I'll, see. I'll we'll keep it, see. We'll see is the word. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so James Thunderbolt Games, Shadows in the Sun, 2023. <laughs> Check it out. Hi everybody, Matt Geary here for Geek Pride at uh, UK Games Expo 2022, and I'm here with my good friend Bevan Clubworthy Hello. of Tinkerbot Games and of Geek Pride theme. Done one or two, yeah. Done one or two things. <laughs> yeah. How's things good? Yeah, really good. Yeah, no, first show in three years, so uh, I'm very excited to be back to see all the crowds and everybody and all the games and cool stuff. And good to see you as well. Yeah, it's been, been a while, yeah. Yeah, I think it was, uh, what would have been four, year, four years ago? Four years ago? A little while, yeah, so I missed the last two. So it would have been 2019? 20, no, 18? 20, was it 2018 we saw possibly? I think it's about four years ago, potentially. I think it's about four years we've seen, oh, since gosh, the last wow. we've seen you. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. Long time. Cool. Yeah, no, it's been. And so you've got. Ah, yes. Horticulture. 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 Horticulture, yeah. Horticulture. So we love a pun here. So, <laughs> so tell us about it. Uh, so Horticulture is the spiritual successor to our original game, Ghoster, which is about a haunted house. Exactly, there you go. So in this one, you're working in the garden. So you're going to be working into the gardens, actually fixing those up. But unfortunately, because ghosts can't use lawnmowers, you have to hire these monster cards to sort of do the jobs for you. So you've got things like werewolves, skeletons, zombies, that kind of thing. And they'll do the gardening for you. And that's it? Uh, there's more to it, yeah. No, so there's like a bidding system where essentially 
Each of these particular monsters uh, has a, a different score on it that governs how good at gardening it is. Uh, and you're going to be bidding on these sort of tiles that you plant into your garden. Depending where you plant them, they'll score different amounts of points. So, uh, like gloomy blooms are these little blue flowers, they only score you two no matter where they go. But the pumpkins, they want to grow in patches, so they'll score you extra stuff there. Uh, the blood orange wants to be sort of surrounded by unique things, so it'll score more if it's got different things around it. Um, and then you can also like hire and fire your monsters, so you can get rid of your basic zombie and get yourself a nice pumpkin zombie that likes to carve them up and stuff like that. <laughs> or you can get a werewolf, they're a good doggo, so they'll fetch stuff for you, or they'll dig up holes for you in your garden to get the gold out. Um, yeah, and then whoever's got the best looking garden wins. So all very family friendly. Family very, friendly. Very family friendly, yep. Um, and we've even, since the original version, instigated a new system where like, each of these has like two different ways to score. So now you can like double up basically the different ways of scoring, mix and match, gives you loads of variability on how the, the game is going to run. So. I, like, um, I was so impressed with the, um, the success of Gustel and to have a second one, like, you know, it's, um, it's an impressive feat, my friends. It took know, a long time. It yeah. was a long time in the making, yeah. yeah. So. And you, you spend a lot of time prototyping things. Have in the last couple of years, yeah. I mean, we've moved to uh, like a lot of online stuff, so we're using Tabletop Simulator yeah. a lot to do a lot of the prototyping, um, and that helps with playtesting. So I can go to like America, uh, China, all of Europe as well to get playtesters now. What advice would you give um, people who have you know, want to start their own, get create their own game, uh, go into Kickstarter? What what sort of advice would you have? For them? Uh, so well, if you're starting out, just get a prototype on the table and play it with your friends and your family just to see if you've actually got a good game there. Um, what you don't want to do is create this thing, go all the way down the route of like artwork and graphic design and all that, just to find out that your game is actually unplayable. So <laughs> you want to make sure you do that. Once you've done that, stretch out into uh, people who aren't your friends and family to make sure that people who've got no invested interest in you as a person or aren't your just, game yeah. aren't just blowing smoke up your butt. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and then Kickstarter, I get a partner. That's what I would do. Make sure I, I have a business partner in this. He deals with all the money, the finance, the organisation. I do all the creative stuff, like you know, the artwork and the graphic design and that kind of thing. So I don't do the artwork. I just get somebody else to do it. But, you know, I, <laughs> I do somebody. all work by by paying somebody to do exactly, all the artwork. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yep. Yeah, the easy way to do it. The easy yep. way to do it. So uh, when are you going to do a war game? A war game. Um, would you ever um, do a war game? I'm, it's funny you should say, I've been working on one for a little while where it's, uh, it's like Battletech almost, where you've got like a, a map, some robots, and you have a deck of cards. Um, it's a game called Evotech, where basically the robots are able to kind of modify themselves as they play. So like their gun will get bigger, but they'll, like, they'll sacrifice like generator room or something like that. And essentially you just play cards to play your movement and everything, and then pew pew pew, shoot each other. That sounds awesome, man. It's very early days, but yeah, no, it's something I'm tinkering with. Tinkerbot games, tinkering. Yeah. It, yep. And uh, it's going well then, the Expo's going well for you then? Uh, so far, yeah. I mean, uh, tables I think are doing really well. So uh, we've got a, a, a partnership with, these with a company that produces tables. Okay. They're doing some fantastic work over there. Um, I've demoed this to several people now this morning, which is fantastic. Um, so obviously with the, the COVID thing, there's always a concern, isn't there, of touching like stuff and being too, too close to people and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, really enjoying it. Really glad to be back. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what's next on the... Well, obviously, this, when does this Kickstarter come out? So we're looking at autumn this year, so we're going to go over like, the spooky season again. Um, we're in the dreaded marketing phase where we're trying to like, you know, sell it to as many people as possible, yeah. do the Facebook thing. Um, yeah, and then end of September, early October, try and launch them. So, Brilliant. Okay, yep. so October, ladies and gents, check it out. 
Hauntaculture. Hauntaculture, that's right, yeah. Hauntaculture. <laughs> uh, coming your way this Halloween. Um, I've been Matt Geary. This has been Bevan Clatworthy. Catch you later. Hey everybody, Matt Geary here for Geek Pride at UKGE 2022. And I'm here with Becky Ray. Hi. Long time no see. Yes, it's been a while. Yes. So, you've got a stall. Yeah, first time ever vendoring at UKGE and it's been really, really good. So what is it? What what are you what what are you what wares are you selling? Uh, what don't I sell? Um we've got uh, handmade dice, gemstone dice, dice trays, dice bags, Kindle sleeves, book sleeves, bats which my lovely mother makes, scrunchies, dog bandanas, you name it, it's probably and all handmade. Yep. Apart from the gemstone and factory dice, they're the only things I don't make. <laughs> and so what uh, what brought you to doing this. I know you do D&D &D with, yeah, with stuff. Yeah, um, it started with wanting to play D&D &D and then becoming addicted to that, becoming addicted to dice, and then it involved making my own dice. Dice are very addictive things, aren't they? It's weird. We're all you magpies. Yeah. We're like, oh, shiny. Yeah. Yeah, it, it grew from that and then it just expanded and expanded. And this is your first UKGE? Yeah, and it's been so good. So tired, but so good. And you've, well, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been very busy, actually, even when yeah. we've been around and stuff, so it's been quite good. Yeah, it's been so good, and everyone here has been so lovely as well. And you've had your helper minions with you? Yep, and my lovely helpers and my lovely mum here as well. <laughs> and so is this, um, obviously it's not just stall, you do online stuff as well. And... Yeah, usually on Etsy. Um, I, this is the first time I've ever done a TikTok at a convention, oh, so right, okay. I'm feeling young. My dog's TikTok <laughs> famous, don't you know? Your dog is so cute though. My dog has 146,000 followers. He makes me money. It's weird. He costs He's me a lot of money. He's paying his own rent. He, he, he costs me a lot of money, but he makes me money as well. So, you know, it's, it's okay. <laughs> you always get this. People just see, and they just sort of kind of walk in front of the camera. Just like, yeah, we're 10 not. minutes of fame, 10 seconds of fame yeah, going so, by. Yeah. Yeah. So you've done your text you've done the TikTok thing? You've yeah. joined the kids? Yeah, very first time doing it. God did I feel old doing it, being like, how do I do this? How do I you do it? You need to do a dance uh, or something. Oh god, know? no. No, I am terrible at dancing. Nobody wants to I don't to do any of that. that. I literally just point it at my dog and kinda of go. Do something like, cute. Do, yeah, something, do cute. something cute. Break we need to start doing that for our dog because yeah, yeah. she does some cute stuff as well. Well that's it. That's it. That's fine. Like literally, um Bar's got 13.5 million views on one video with him coming in out of the snow and that was it. I mean, he's adorable, yeah, so no, that's it. understandable. That's, that's it. The dogs, dogs are the, the way forward, I think. I mean, because we, we have, we have uh, dog bandanas as well. Do you? She's our model for them as well. Ah, so it works brilliant. Perfectly. Okay, okay. <laughs> I might have to purchase one else from a dog then, right? Brilliant, sounds good. So, um, what else is going on? So you've got this and still doing the cosplay? Not as much. This has mainly taken over my life because um, we're trying to do um, October London for the very first time this year. MCM. Yeah, fingers crossed we get a spot. Um, so slight panicking, but also really excited about doing it. Okay. Never done a London convention before, so. The big smoke. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I've not been to a convention in about four years. This is the first one I've been to, and it's. I miss. I miss all the faces. I miss all the people and yeah. stuff like that and stuff. Uh, it's nice meeting new people as well. Yes, There's so many nice people who yeah. like come up to the stall and being like. We've seen you before. They just like like the products, and they message me going like, "Love your stand." I'm like, <laughs> they are beautiful. They are they are very they are very beautiful. Many uh, hours of, of sanding has gone yeah. into them. <laughs> uh, these are bespoke, handmade dice. Yep, one of a kind. Wow. Okay. Each that, of them are unique. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, Becky, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, Thank you very much. Good luck. You're here tomorrow, no doubt. Yes. 
Final day. And uh, then the, uh, the, we've got London in October. Fingers crossed. If not, we're going to try and do Birmingham again. Okay. Oh, you did Birmingham last time? Yeah, How we usually do go? Birmingham, but this time, trying to do London. Yeah, Birmingham last year was so good as well. Yeah, yeah. It was busy as well. It was busier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. So it was well, like the first COVID, convention. Been, yeah, well, it's yeah. the first convention we had done since the lockdown. I was like, oh, maybe not many people. Load. So many people. <laughs> cool. Well, um, this will probably come out before tomorrow's over. So uh, if you're at MCM in London, come and check her out. Uh, you've got an Etsy store? Yep, which is uh, Crafts and Wonders. Crafts and Wonders? Crafts and Wonders, yep. <laughs> right here. Uh, check it out. I'll be Matt Gearing. Steve McIray. <laughs>